0: He comes
1: across in front me every single time you ever take. did you want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking for me in the braking
2: zone! The boys are back in town and we're guaranteed to last longer than Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. good evening and on this glorious night on the 21st of november we're back for another episode of motorsport 101 i'm your friendly neighbor as mr andre harrison and for the first time in actually a good month on the podcast the original three are back together hooray um it's Wait, where's been a tricky... come from? <laughs> shut up <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how you speak can tell his, we're
2: all back together. <laughs> we don't we don't we don't speak his name around here. <laughs> he's, he's the lord Voldemort of this podcast at this point. Um, <laughs> but um with me as a, as ever, finally as a proper reason back together again. Mr. Ryan King, hello sir.
1: <laughs> yep, doing well, doing well. Uh quiet but great weekend racing. I enjoyed the racing that I did watch and Kind of cringe at the racing that I didn't watch. Perfect <laughs> <laughs> description.
2: More, more on that later, to say the least. But, um, with Anne in the other corner, and to be fair to him, he's done a very good job of covering my ass for the last three weeks or so. Mr. Adam Johnson, hello, sir. Wait, but, t- t- Drake, was that. Maybe I misheard you there. Is that an actual
0: compliment? <laughs> yes, please- yes, it is listeners yes cherish this moment for it is beautiful and it is rare but yes hello welcome it's nice not leading the show and having to come up with the funny intros on my own although i did still come up with the funny intro so nice job
2: yeah yeah that, I, I wish i could take credit for that line but that was actually all johnson on that one <laughs> my bad um yes i have to be nice this week because johnson's done a very good job of covering and producing the show in my absence um, I've not been here for two of the last three weeks and, you know, job restrictions and whatnot. It's not exactly ideal, but... You've been stuck you in know, bookie hell. I've been stuck in bookie hell, exactly, doing 50-hour weeks because I've had combinations of managers going sick and others going on holiday in the middle of frigging November, as you do. <laughs> but, um, you know... Who knew Croydon was great at this time of year? But um, <laughs> I I made a special effort to get the first three evenings of this week off. So here you are. I'm back in, in, in the helm. I, I hope you've all missed me. You probably haven't because RJ's funny as shit. So, um, he really is, man. Yeah. It's like, I, I sort of just like I felt like, like I didn't exist anymore for a little <laughs> while. I feel so, I man, feel so left out. You just went on the
0: show. You were made better by not being here. We were the ones who had to compete against him. We had to present against him every week. We were just like, man, how do we do this? Like, we can't compete. This guy is just like... He's he's
2: hijacking the show. He is. He's just a
0: hype train of his own.
2: Bastard. I'll get you for this, RJ. (laughs) I'm coming to your house. I'm going to, I'm going to put a dirty protest through the letterbox in Tennessee somewhere. But um, in the meantime, let's, let's get the nitty-gritty out of the way. And where you can find us, we're on youtube.com forward slash um, motorsport 101 I'm going to have new videos up there in, including a dray brief on Nico Rosberg and why he deserves everything, goddammit. Yep, and, and surprisingly, we- that video was not made by me. No, it was actually made by me on this one. See? See? I'm totally not playing up to the handcaper stereotype right here. Absolutely not. <laughs> not in the slightest. What could possibly go wrong? Um, so, yes, shout out to that. Um, we also got a brand new video out on Felipe Nasser and his ninth place finish in Brazil. Check that out as well when you get a chance. We released it literally about five minutes ago at the time of recording, so good on us. Um, so check that out if you haven't already. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at um, Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow our Twitters personally, we're at, at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks. And Adam is at AJ underscore Bombersports. Or, right, Adam Wright, if you want to hear more ramblings about politics and, and AFC Wimbledon, because God bless him, somebody has to do it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I, I decide there's enough politics in motorsport, so I have a separate Twitter for that. <laughs>
2: Oh, good! As if two twitters isn't enough to handle your crazy political ramblings, <laughs> that the joke kind of writes itself on that one. Anyway, and if you really, really, really like us, um, you can he can also back us on Patreon and, and support the show that way. Like a bunch of you guys have. Shout out to everybody that's been sending me pictures. Of your Motorsport 101 t shirts. That's been very cool indeed. Glad we finally gotten them over out there because, but real talk, I am terrible when it comes to organizing things like shipping addresses. All that nitty gritty bullshit. I was in charge of that, and that was me. <laughs> that was my mess ups. So I apologise sincerely for that. Thank you for all your patience, and thanks for showing off the shirts and all that. I'm, I'm glad you guys already like them. The, the benefit of this is, though, is that I've actually now got like a box of four in the corner of my bedroom that I've not sent out yet. Who knows? We may just we may just give some away over Christmas. You know, Santa is in our the house. Did actually have some. Well, <laughs> I guess I could say, help. I look pretty fly, but you know. I, I guess. I guess I could help the brand, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you I know. guess. Shut up, Johnson. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My compliment running was short lived, clearly. So, shout out to all our Patreon backers on there as well. You guys know who you are. You guys are great, as always. Um,. Also, I want to mention, I want to give a special shout-out as well to friend of the show, Catherine Benham, over at NerdCord. She made a very special Motorsport 101 wristband, which she showed up on the Twitter page. It is the sickest thing I've ever owned.
1: It, Seriously it is abs-
2: cool. It is seriously, seriously cool. Check her out. I think I think her name is Nerd or on Etsy. Or you can follow her on Twitter at Catherine Benham. I know a couple people have asked me, Dre, where can I get one of those? Message her. She does customs too. Just throwing that out there. It's really, really cool. Um, I've got three in my drawer. I've got a motorsport one, one, one. I've got one for James Hinchcliffe, and I've got one for Sebastian Vettel in there as well. They're really freaking cool. I wear them at work every day. It's the, it's, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> but um, yeah, there you go. I wanted to give a shout out to her as well. She's she's been awesome, and you know. She's she sent the she threw in the Motorsport one hundred and one for three, which is really sick. So the least I could do was give a shout out back in reply. So shout out to Cat, thanks a bunch. Your shit is really really cool. Just want to get that one out there. Right, on with the show and let's get on with keeping it one hundred and one. be kind of an extended keeping it 101 again because there really wasn't all that much that went on in motorsport it's quite the contrast compared to last week where we had literally everything in the middle of um we had three main events effectively it was it was like hell in a mm, cell yeah it was, it, was, it was a triple main event of formula one moto gp season finale in valencia and we had a formula e round and we had something else i can't remember on top of my head I it'll, it'll come to me wait I want to say it was a WEC race, but I could be wrong on that. No, the WEC race was
0: the week before where you were like, oh, there's no racing this weekend. Except the WEC, there's no racing this weekend. We had had the double signing at EG Yes, That was it, yeah. We had some IndyCar hype because they were like, well, we wanted to still be racing by now, but in lieu of that, have some news.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, have some news in the meantime. Yes, yes. Like, see... IndyCar looks out for us on this show. Yeah, they look does. out for us in the sense of you know, hey, I was like, here Johnson. I was, I was like, hey, it's like, hey King, Dre, we, we heard we heard you needed some news. How about this, clanger? Bang! <laughs> hey, <laughs> Johnny Brennan's
0: still nagging you about Connor Daly's future. Here, this will help.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally, we can appease Brennan and Worth, uh, So that is a thing. Uh, so yeah, we, we got that sorted out and taken care of. But uh, this is kind of an extended edition because, well, there was a bunch of minor stuff that happened in a bunch of other places, maybe not necessarily in the world of motorsport. But we wanted to kind of get it in anyway, and it's probably going to go quite long. So we thought, let's just, let's just bung it all in here, and we'll talk about the other stuff later. But in the meantime, King, I heard... Three certain motorsport presenters or say, free TV presenters that like cars a lot had some kind of TV show come out on Amazon this week. Yes. Apparently it was quite good.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. They're 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 now on the internet where one Jeremy Clarkson said, We're on the internet now. That means we could pleasure a horse if we wanted to. <laughs> so anyone thinking Actual it was line. gonna be that much
0: different from Top Gear? Yeah. No. You're so wrong. <laughs> if anything, it's yeah. like Top Gear after dark yes essentially. Yes. It, it just essentially. reminds me of that Jalopnik article where a couple of people got to go to the filming of one of the episodes yes and literally at one point they uh, dropped one of them dropped an F-bomb and somebody joked you can't say that and Hammond just turned around and went we're on the internet we can say whatever the fuck we want <laughs> I'm just like yes like, that was one thing I was excited about all along with the Grand Tour, which weirdly I haven't had a chance to watch yet, but I'm looking forward to How? this discussion.
1: I know. How have you not right? watched this? Like, I'm you, just yeah, saying like, it. Everything, like, in in short, everything about this show is so much better than it was on the BBC. Even the studio segments are better, which is a surprise to me. <laughs> Well, you know, like, when
0: it, all, when it all went down, everyone was all in mourning when everything went down and, like, mm. there was the stupid protests about Clarkson being sacked from the BBC and I'm like, well, why sh- why are you protesting that? That's stupid. If, like, he deserved to get fired. Even it, he admitted it. Yeah, but, like, if, the big it's thing it's I was excited about all that. along mm-hmm. because I, I was like, well, the, the reason why Top Gear on the BBC had been suffering is that they were being more and more creatively restricted year by year because of controversies and slowly less and less funding. Now they're on Amazon with a blank check and a guy saying, Saying, you can do what you want, lads. That's what you're famous
2: for. It's, how is this fun going to be uh, awesome? Yes, yeah, it's, like, it's funny you mentioned that because they actually referenced that in the first five minutes of the yes. program. <laughs> the, of they, mentioned,
1: they, they mentioned how Hammond and May have been fired multiple times, and still technically Jeremy Clarkson has never been fired. Like uh, he, he, <laughs> he never released him His contract. The B- yeah, he never got fired from the BBC. They just never renewed his contract. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's the old solution of you can't fire me i quit um, pretty, much. <laughs> pretty much and yes they, they actually referenced this heavily in the first five minutes of They're the program as, bad as trey
0: parker and matt stone i swear and i love them yeah. for that
2: <laughs> yeah like like i won't exactly ex- explain now because i mean this is going to be kind of spoiler talk so if you don't want to listen to what happened on the grand tour i'll put a timestamp. When this episode actually goes out, which is, like, which is like the safe button. Like well, after that point you can come back in. But if you really don't want to know what happened on the grand tour, I highly recommend you skip the next fifteen minutes or so. Again, unless you're I'll Mike put- Pence, in which
0: case you'll probably listen to this segment and be like, Fuck you all, I hate I hate you and then claim that we booed you or something.
2: You had to get you had to get a politics
0: jab in there, didn't you? Well, I'm not Joey Stiles, so I'm allowed to say
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's gonna be
1: very obscure.
2: <laughs> Wrestling fans out there, if you got that reference, give yourself a pat on the back. Well yeah. done. But um they, they do reference their sacking quite heavily at the start of the programme. <laughs> Apparently, the opening scene is the most expensive scene filmed in the history of television. Wait, really? They're saying it cost them three point two million dollars to film that opening <laughs> sequence.
1: I assume I assume like uh, the desert sequence was probably the biggest part of that. I just realized yeah, that exactly. that was a part of that. Like yeah. all the, the the opening scene before that, it was like that couldn't have been that much expensive. But no, yeah, the no. desert scene.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that whole sequence in the desert. Yeah, that is the most. Apparently, it's the most expensive scene shot in the history of television. Apparently, cost them three point two million dollars to film it. Ooh. I don't quite know how, but that yeah, apparently, I, like,
1: I, I assume they mean British television because, like, I guess, like American television, HBO, like Game oh, no, of Thrones or or Band of Brothers, where they basically recreated multiple World War II battles with authentic equipment.
2: Yes. That's crazy. The, the, I'm guessing I'm guessing that wasn't cheap. But yeah. Um, yeah, the opening sequence is like the most expensive ever shot in British television. And that's just coming off Victoria, which was like, which had like a 10 million pound budget for the <laughs> ITV, which is kind of mental in its own right. Shout out to Jenna Coleman, by the way. She's, uh, in the meantime, uh, <laughs> I, 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 as a Doctor Who fan, I had to get that one in there too. But um, yeah, like I said, um, it's like they, they got to the 10. I mean, the whole thing's playing out by now and... Like, I watched it, like, we watched it live when it came out, me and me and brother Ryan, uh, when it came out straight away. I mean, they actually released it an hour early, in credit to them on that one. So it's like, oh, God, it's out, it's out of 11, guys, quick! <laughs> Get to Amazon Prime in! And, yeah, I bought Amazon Prime specifically so I could watch the show live. Because I watched I'm, it
1: through totally legit methods.
2: Of course you did, <laughs> didn't you? Totally legal sources, totally legal sources, of course. We need, we need, we need that on a T-shirt at some point. Um, but... but uh, And, King, (laughs) I think it's safe to say they're back. And we've missed them. Like,
1: like, (laughs) they... After the in- opening sequence, they didn't pull any punches. They went straight to what everyone was talking about before the show: the three car test, the three super car test. Yeah, it's they said it Would themselves. Be the, they, uh,
0: the the holy trinity: the LaFerrari, the Ferrari, and the McLaren and the Porsche nine one eight?
2: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That they, they named episode one the holy trinity for that very reason. It, <laughs> that is that is that takes up about half an hour of the runtime. It's it's about it was a seventy five minute program. So it's actually bigger than the original Top Gear was on the BBC. It's actually an hour and a quarter, but um, they dedicated about half an hour to, to those three cars, and it's exactly what you'd expect from a Top Gear review in the sense of <laughs> throw
1: Ferrari under the bus. One throw Ferrari <laughs> under
2: the bus because they had no problem saying Ferrari are just notoriously difficult to work with, which is nothing new. If you've, if you've, if you've been a long time fan of Chris Harris, yeah, I was going to say. Know You'll know exactly what they're talking about, and it, it it it's backed up because Ferrari were always the ones that were playing hardball when it came to having the free cars together for a single test, um and it so. turned out
1: to be quite f- like during the test. You could see why Ferrari were very hands back about letting their car do these kinds of tests because it's not that good.
2: Yeah, <laughs> compared to the looked- other two, no. <laughs> The LaFerrari really wasn't that great in comparison to the P1 and the, and, the, and the 918. It didn't help that James May was in there for the majority of it. Oh, the, oh come on, that's just unfair. That's he, like... he, he, <laughs> That because the they both they were for the most part they were driving the hypercars that they were back in when on the original top gear so Clarkson was in the P1, Hammond, Hammond was, was in the, the 918. Porsche. Yeah. Yeah, and um May came up halfway yeah, but... through the sequence in the LaFerrari. Yeah, but just
1: <laughs> so you know, just so you know that they didn't drive it in the the final like Fastest lap test. Oh, the power lap no. section. Yeah, they didn't they, drive it in the power lap, so no, you don't they, have to they, worry about Captain Slow slowing you down. There you yeah, are. exactly.
2: So they actually broke out a nice little cameo appearance from a Formula E and former Formula One driver, Jerome Dambrosio. So shout out to Elizabeth Worth on that one. Uh, one of the boys, Jerome Dambrosio, was was the one that was driving the cars around Portamau. It's the exact same Portamau track that Chris Harris did his review in. With they must um, have filmed it
0: around the same time because yeah. I remember photos yeah. going time. up around it. it. Was it was one of the first things they filmed for it. Also, did I hear right that there was a cameo from former nascar truck series champion yes. mike skinner
1: yes he's then he's their new stig really well not, i heard a few
2: contrasting is he just
0: like a regional stig
1: yeah it was it was a one-off thing where they were doing oh, okay. a road test of one of the new um mercedes m series cars and they were, just as a joke they said that amazon wanted them to get an american driver so so they got <laughs> skinner and his commentary while driving is some of the funniest <laughs>
2: Yeah, basically, the the running gag here was that anything that wasn't American with a V eight was basically a communist.
0: <laughs> it's it's, Which, it's let's exa- be honest, is topical at this point in time. Oh, yes, no, he very said, much so. He
1: said, "Oh, this car is a three void, uh, like a three liter V six. This could, <laughs> I like." He said that this this isn't a car. This is a cry for help. <laughs> a man after my own heart. I like it.
2: Yeah. So yeah, Mike Skinner made a one-off appearance. Like um, like I said, they they, they focused around the new BMW M2 and they've showed off their brand new test track as well, which is... Somewhere, um, it's a, it's what do they a call a it? The, the the Ebola ring, the
1: yeah, the Ebola drum. The Ebola they called it drum.
2: because it because <laughs> it, it it is literally shaped like the DNA of an Ebola virus. I just, <laughs> I just I just I just don't know where to start with this show. Oh Those
0: boys. Oh no wonder we've missed them. Oh God.
2: Like, let's just put it to you this way: This show was on, and I immediately forgot about the existence of Top Gear Series Twenty Three. like I like, just say like, as well? Like, we they we must have, have to
1: run down the features of the Ebola drone <laughs> Yes, they said. The, uh, like Clarkson called it the the hardest racing track in the world. He would f- prefer driving o- over there than Silverstone. There's no runoff area. Let's nope. see. It goes around an old woman's house. Uh, there's yep. there's, our, there's a flock of, of sheep in the, like the runoff area of one of the corners. <laughs> yep.
2: We have the straight that isn't a straight. They they are driving around an undetonated
1: bomb at one yeah, point. Yeah, they, they have to tear up part of the track and put a chicane in because the drove over an unexploded bomb from the Second World War.
2: (laughs) Yep, and they had the world-famous Your Name Here hairpin for marketing opportunities.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does that replace Gambon, which wasn't originally called Gambon, and then they named it Gambon after he nearly crashed there?
2: (laughs) Yep. Yeah, Beautiful. that's the that's the your name here happening because the cars can drift around there a lot. So well, hey, let's get some marketing opportunities in here. Can I just let's, say,
0: hearing all this this talk, I'm obviously hyped to watch it myself. But did anyone hear like a, a sort of sobbing in the distance when watching this? <laughs> just Chris Evans. Did, Chris, <laughs> that, that was Chris, Chris Evans. Evans'
1: ginger tears. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, you have wow. to talk about like, the two the two big studio segments that were probably. Two of the funniest studio segments that those three have ever done. Like we
0: haven't even got through the we haven't even got through reviewing the show, and it already sounds like the Grand Tour was Goldberg and Top Gear (laughs) Series Twenty Three was Paul Heyman's most famous client. Yes,
2: yes, Yes. yeah. It it pretty much was that. I mean, the two big studio segments was well, one of them was like they were they were mocking the fact that they they they, they didn't have to interview celebrities anymore, so they brought back their fame like. their fake celebrity S7, I think it was called Celebrity Brain Punch yes. and they made these, these really awkward looking VT for it <laughs> and then like, the okay
1: okay what celebrities could we have <laughs>
2: uh, and then they thought I know let's bring out Hawkeye from Avengers Age of Ultron let's get Jeremy Renner in and he, he literally is jumping out of a plane to parachute down to the tent <laughs> oh, man Which sounds—it's almost like three overgrown. Wait, 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 wait! wait. It gets better. Uh, That's the thing. They show him jumping out of a plane, and then they realize he hasn't pulled his parachute, and he hits the deck.
1: (laughs) And he dies. (laughs) And he dies. (laughs) And like, okay, okay, one guy down. Who can we get? And he was like, okay, from from the man from Uncle Arnie Hammer, and he was walking across the desert to the tent, and he gets attacked by a snake. And dies, and dies. So, so, the, so
2: the main guest is gone. The backup guest is gone. But then we like, is there someone famous in the audience? And it's like, oh yes, well Carol Vorderman is here. Great. And then
1: Clarkson goes, oh sorry, she's dead. And, she- and, then, and then Hammond walks over to her, and he's like, I'm not a pathologist or anything, but she's definitely dead. <laughs> She's just dead in the in the corner of the tent.
2: It's just it's 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 like let's put it this way: they wouldn't be able to get away with this segment for more than a week. But for as a one-off segment, this was gold. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, like that—that that was their big in studio. Like we're not like like t- like the grand saw. They didn't even try to hide the fact that they'd have to be the BBC anymore. And like, like it's amazing as well because the other incident was hilarious because they had it was, they had this whole idea of a general small talk for a bit. And the one thing they covered on this segment was the fact that James May got a speeding ticket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we we do um, have to talk about the intro to that segment where where um jeremy clarkson said that the royal air force was the greatest air force in the world in the oh, united yeah.
2: states oh no 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 oh yeah he did and you know what it's like it's the power of editing like don't worry we'll, we'll make it look like we won and then like they get the shit beaten out by the audience <laughs> like literally
1: physically yeah
0: it's like, like the Shawn uh, michaels heel promo in a t- montreal <laughs> Yes.
1: yeah it's like at
2: one point Clarkson literally has a bloody nose.
1: Yeah. It's great. I, think the, I think the segment ends with Clarkson with a bloody nose. Him, I mean, James May has a black eye. And yeah. one of the one of the like cut sequences they put in there was them hiding behind the table and the audience chanting USA USA
2: <laughs> <laughs> And um, oh yeah, that was hilarious. And they had to mention as well that you know I mentioned James May got a speeding ticket. Do you know how fast he was going when he got that speeding ticket, Johnson? Thirty-three and a thirty. Ooh, close, wow. close. Ooh, close. <laughs> 30, a sizzling thirty-eight miles an hour. <laughs> Why did I know something? Shit. <laughs> technically, that technically that is speeding. It is, yeah, but it's may
0: speeding. It's not like Clarkson, who's been booked for like doing one hundred and seventy before.
2: <laughs> yep. James May got done for doing 38 in a 30. What a guy. <laughs> so yeah, like overall, it was amazing. It made me realize that like this just blows Top Gear season 23 completely out of the water. Sorry, boys, but um, no matter how hard you try, no matter how good your show may or may not be to a general car fan, you will never, ever, ever beat Clarkson, May and Hammond. Not in a million years. And surprisingly,
1: <laughs> they they even mentioned on the show, all the haters who said it wouldn't be a car show. Surprisingly, it was still about cars. Yeah. The, major-
2: the vast majority of the show was about cars. How about that? As I know Jalopnik were trying to be all a little bit edgy about the whole thing, saying, well... I just don't want it to be alternate reality Top Gear. Well, what the hell do you want it to be then?
0: Like... Well, it was like Carthrottle put up a thing where I was like, well, let's be honest, we were all a bit disappointed. Like, what? Because it was a bit like Top Gear but different. Like, what did you expect?
2: It's all they've done and it's all they've known for the last 15 years. I don't, I don't know what they were expecting it to be or what they wanted it to be. But like, I, I get it. They wanted them to be a, to be a bit more adventurous, but listen
1: <laughs> adventurous they can't get any more adventurous than they've done exactly like it, is, it,
0: it does literally sound like top gear is now being co-written by the guys who write south park pretty much and for me that's a good combination i like that
2: yeah, it, it, like, it's a fantastic episode. If yeah. you've you not seen it yet, go out of your way to see it. I don't know what the hell you're doing listening to this show and you haven't listened to the Grand Tour yet. Either you're incredibly dedicated to us or you're just crazy, or both for that for that matter. But go out of your way to find it. It's well worth the 75-minute runtime. Johnson, you have no excuse yes. at this point. By, by, <laughs> by
1: the time this episode comes out, they would have already released the episode, the next episode, which they already spoiled where it was going to be <laughs> – by saying it's going to be in Johannesburg next week. <laughs> yep, yep. They're going to South Africa. Hey. So, uh,
2: that, that, yep. that'll, that'll be
1: fun. After, after be fun. being in a what a Nevada desert this week. Nevada desert.
2: Yep, they're in Nashville week one, and now they're going to they're going to head off to um, Johannesburg for week two. So that should be fun. Um, so look forward to that on Friday. So that's, by the time you listen to this show, it will most likely have already been out. So look forward to that. Now. We've gotten the good news out of the way. Now, I did tease this on the Twitter account last Sunday, um, again, by the time you listen to this show, but last Sunday in the middle of the chase finale, a certain a certain member of the three of us kind of had like a midlife crisis regarding the state of his favorite pastime. I'll give you a hint. It's the only white guy on this show. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned well, NASCAR. I don't know that. that really narrows it down, man. I, I mean, yeah, really, It could, I mean, it could yeah. be me. It could be me. <laughs> the king of the most black out of the three of us. Now, uh, like, so that kind of rules two of us out. So I wonder who we could be talking about here. Hey, Adam Johnson. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, i am no a cer- clue. A certain member of the panel had a bit of a midlife crisis regarding NASCAR as it headed into its chase finale at Homestead. Um, this past this past Sunday or yesterday at the time of recording, and um, yeah, like Johnson kind of had this like this is it moment, and this is like it's coming to America moment right here, where right. he's <laughs> just sitting there going, you know what? It's gone. The fire's gone out. It's like it's like watching Dark Souls all over again. Um. <laughs> we now have to throw Johnson into a fire to keep the spirit of NASCAR alive um, but are we Johnson-
1: are, are we just like just oh, huddle around the really? warmth of Martin Truex jr's flaming car <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. like I, I've been watching like admittedly I've been watching that moment on a loop. Since we started recording, of, oh, was, that, oh, of that red flag with ten laps ago that literally took out one of the championship contenders in an accident that involved three of the four championship contenders. Amazing,
2: and uh, and, and Johnson finds out about it on Twitter, and he's like, "Nope, <laughs> I want nothing to do with this." Mm. So, without further ado, I'm going to shut up for the next five minutes. Johnson, the floor is yours. (laughs) He basically offered to give me an open
0: microphone to air my grievances about NASCAR. So what you're about to get, ladies and gentlemen, is me sitting on the entrance ramp with a microphone in hand, waiting for Vince McMahon to cut me off, to talk to the state of NASCAR, or rather my state of NASCAR, because, like, this whole show is based on... Uh, our love of the motorsport like w- w- we ain't doing this we ain't doing this for a job we ain't doing this for work we ain't doing this for some sort of narcissistic like pleasure of this we do this for the love of the sport that we've we've chosen
2: and we've fallen for and we're stupid people <laughs> i know
0: but we are very silly people for that and mm-hmm. of, of all of this of all of the sports we talk about and everything people know me very well and i kind of felt the need to make a bit of this statement over the weekend they know me as, like, a NASCAR guy. They're like, whenever there's any questions about NASCAR in the podcast, it's like, one for AJ, one for Johnson, NASCAR stuff. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, for years, my whole YouTube channel, a lot of my YouTube stuff is based around NASCAR, like, the the gaming, stop-motions, vlogs, all the stuff and everything. And this is all fine if you still love NASCAR. Like, we talk about how it can be, like, a grind to watch everything. Like, there are wrestling podcasts out there who are like, they have people say, oh, watch this kind of wrestling, watch that, watch this. And it's like, it's not a job. And if I just burn myself out on it, I won't love it anymore and it'll feel like a chore. And the point is, at this point, NASCAR, watching NASCAR for me would be a chore. And I made a decision to deliberately not watch the Homestead finale. I paid enough attention. I, well, I saw Twitter blow up several times over the weekend and we'll get to that. But... The last live NASCAR race I've made an effort to watch and go, okay, I'm gonna watch this front to back was Darlington, which was September.
1: Yikes. Yeah, I'm um, like just just a quick insert. Johnson, you're clearly not the only person that feels this way because that like NASCAR has only had their third sellout of the year this weekend. Only the wow. Daytona Yeah, only the Daytona five hundred, uh the race at Watkins Glen, and the finale in Homestead last night were Wait, did the Southern 500 sell out? Southern 500 did not sell out. Did it not? Wow. And that was when they went in
0: hard on the promo game as well. And they're like, I love that race, and I love what they've done to revitalize it with the throwback thing. But, like, here's the problem. And it was quite, like, we can write a million different think pieces. I've, I've done it before. about The problem with NASCAR is but like I'm willing to prepare because I'm going to make some points that people are going to argue against. They go, well, you, you know, you're not, you, you're archaic. You're not, you don't like playoffs, blah. I'm, this is personal. This is on me, but I go back to a letter, an open letter that was published last year on Jeff Gluck, who's one of the best NASCAR journalists in the game. He has his a personal website and he posted an open letter that he got from a fan called Matt Gross, um, and it was after the whole drama shenanigans with Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth. And it just, for, for, for several minutes, NASCAR descended straight into sub WWE territory. Like the whole metaphor of it being WWE on wheels was never more true. And I remember being like, wow, I don't. And he. The thing is, he summed up the feeling perfectly. He said it wasn't a, fuck this, I'm not watching it anymore sort of feeling. It wasn't a, like, throw the remote across the room. I ain't bothering with this shit. It was just a sort of disassociation. It was like, he said in this letter he didn't feel like he belonged in the sport anymore. Like, he saw all these people cheering this stuff and praising the chase and the playoffs and getting into the excitement and everything, and he just didn't feel it and ironically he said you know what the money i'm going to save by not going to nascar races in next year i.e 2016 he was going to save on going to the f1 grand prix in texas and it made me laugh because i'm like well we're pretty critical of f1 as it is but like that seems like mana from heaven for some people but that just shows how just worlds apart these series are and for me like nascar is unrecognizable from the sport i fell in love with in 2001 and like people are gonna go oh well you can't expect things to not change no but so is v8 supercars and i still love that the british touring car championship is utterly unrecognizable from the super touring era of the 90s it's glory heyday but you know what what it is now is still awesome it's still true to itself it's still an amazing racing series and i enjoy it it's not the same but it's still... It's kind of like a band. You know your favourite band or your favourite recording artist? <clears throat> you don't want all their albums to sound exactly the same, but you don't want them to sound so completely different that they don't sound the, like the same band. Do you see what I mean?
1: It's like <laughs> there, there's a multiple, a multitude of directions that any series could go in. Many of them good, many of them bad, and NASCAR just happened to just go in the wrong direction. And, and they've
0: committed to it as well. Like, it's a real... Like, I mean, ignore the fact that some of the stuff this year that's just made me pretty uncomfortable to be associated with it. Like, normally in any other given election year, endorsing a candidate, like endorsing the Republican candidate, that's a NASCAR thing. But not only this Republican candidate and making it so public, like involving current drivers. And then Brian France turns around and goes, why is everyone so bothered about that? Duh. You do realize you probably cost yourself... I mean, there's stories going around that they potentially cost themselves maybe two title sponsor deals off the back of that public endorsement of Donald Trump. It was stupid. Like, you don't disclose that anywhere. Like, Vince McMahon of the WWE was one of the biggest investors in Trump's campaign. We know they're bros. Did you see him make grand statements about it on WWE television? Did he bring him out to the ring and go, I endorse Donald Trump one night on Raw?
1: No, he didn't. He no, he never mentioned it.
0: He knew it'd be bad for business. So, mm-hmm. but that made me uncomfortable. And from that aspect, well done, Daniel Suarez. Beautiful. The irony <laughs> that a Mexican driver has won a NASCAR championship in this year of all years. Oh, it's beautiful. How, 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 how,
2: how big of a fuck you is that to NASCAR right Wonderful, wonderful, oh, wonderful, beautiful. wonderful. <laughs> and like,
0: in a way that also threw up a bit of a problem because like, here's the core for me nascar is caught between two minds and in a way it is fairly similar to wwe because for me it's not doing enough it's kind of forgotten about the core fan base which in a way it kind of wants to leave behind but then isn't really doing much of a job of bringing in new people because it kind of doesn't know how to or it thinks it does like it's like how in wwe at the moment like the, the weird booking and stupid finishes and poor storylines. The, the hardcore fan base just like, oh Christ, we've got to watch Raw again, Jesus Christ. But it's not really with the sort of big like attraction matches and the celebrity endorsements and the and the PG stuff. It's not really bringing the mainstream in. And for me, like NASCAR stuck stuck in a similar spot. Like it's it's tried so hard down the years. Like it's got to the point where I wasn't much of a fan of the original Chase. Now I'll take it because this playoff format, I've tried to like it for three years. And it, it, in the end, it may well be the deal breaker because it is just so the regular season doesn't matter. Seemingly, no races feel special in the regular season apart from Daytona and maybe Darlington. Otherwise, they're all just attempts to punch your ticket for the chase. God, I hate that phrase and it's yeah, sort of like just they
1: <laughs> they tried to make every race matter by letting the winner automatically get into the chase but well, in they've made yeah, them in, matter less in doing so you made none of the races matter yeah exactly and that's this playoff format
0: in a, in a complete nutshell by making every single championship like crank to 11 oh my god it's just amazing tension ah are you excited none of it's exciting for me, I just feel like, like when I saw on Twitter last night, you know, 10 laps to go, oh my God, Carl Edwards got wrecked by Joey Logano. Ah! I was like, yeah, what do you expect? We've had three years of this now under this format. Last year, we had the Kenseth Logano blood feud. 2014, we had Ryan Newman door slamming Larson at Phoenix just to get into. Like, when you put drivers in such an extreme, like win or bust situation are you surprised this shit happens and to be honest with you i have i I don't want to sound like i'm like i'll let you say a thing in a minute king but i don't want to sound like i'm panicking but part of me has this horribly uncomfortable feeling that this sort of never ending push for excitement and pushing drivers to the limit like when is it going to come around and bite us again like that crash with carl edwards that was a big crash like i'm not saying oh "Oh, someone's gonna die under this format but i'm just saying like it's a dangerous game to play and I'm kind of uncomfortable with that. Like, it, it's the classic thing of, oh, well, drivers clearly didn't want to win enough. They just points race. That's the biggest fucking lie in motorsport, and you goddamn know it. That's absolute mm-hmm. bullshit. And the, no and race problem- driver who ever steps in a race car ever wants to finish second. That was bollocks, but now it's been turned into a marketing spin and justified post truth, I guess you could use the on brand term. And,
1: and but- the problem is that anytime you make it put a driver in a scenario where he needs to win to, to advance or do anything, once he's out of contention for the win, his race pretty much is pointless. Mm.
0: And that brings me to another thing that was I was pretty uncomfortable with. You then get weird like double standards and weird scenarios where the few, again by trying to make things matter, they've made them matter less. You've now got a scenario where you know people complain about at Homestead. Oh, it's just the top four in the championship running one, two, three, four. Yeah, you know why? We saw why at the end of the Xfinity Series race. When Cole Witt, in an underfunded backmarker car... Now, there's differing reports on this one. Apparently, his crew had had run out of tyres. They'd used up their allotted amount of tyres for the night. So when they had a late caution for overtime, you know, two laps, basically, an entire championship ended up not just resting on one race, but two laps. Yeah. Two laps. And what happened was Cole Witt's out there on old tyres. You know, either he physically couldn't get new tyres, so he's like, well... We can't really pit. What will we be doing? We'd just be putting fuel. We don't need fuel or he gambled to stay out We've seen this happen before and normally it's like wow look at this underdog guy He's staying out there to try and you know get the win against all the odds He probably won't do it like look at Matt Di Benedetto earlier this year at Bristol Landon Castle was leading at a midpoint in the race Di Benedetto finished sixth and everyone's like wow feel good story This time out He gets a poor restart two of the championship contenders are right behind him They get bottled up and effectively that's it all over one restart gone. That's it Never mind all the arbitrary engine failures and that earlier in the chase. You know, it's like an entire season, bang, gone. And the argument for the playoffs when you say that is, yeah, but that happens in other sport. In the NFL, you can have an unbeaten regular season and then you can lose in the playoffs. Yeah by being beaten by the better team on the day like this comparison, having an engine failure in NASCAR and being eliminated from the chase that way is like walking out onto an NFL pitch and then your entire team suddenly suffer heart failure and die Yeah, yeah. and the think, other team just go, we oh okay, about well, this we're just
1: going to win week. by default I'm not yeah, going to bring up the, refer- the reference I made last week <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, <clears throat> Look, I, I've, I've not even said very much in this segment for obvious reasons I'm the least into NASCAR out of the three of us one, I've just seen the actual Edwards crash in question and holy shit Uh, first of all edwards was
1: restarting second he was the lead championship driver with 10 to go he gets a bad run off the line he moves over to block joey logano who's also in the championship and behind logano is jimmy johnson who is also in the championship and oh my god let's put it to you this way
2: i'm no NASCAR watcher but even I knew exactly what was going to happen the moment Edwards gets a bad launch. And, like, I know how NASCAR works as a format. I know, like, for example, the fact there was even an overtime in NASCAR makes me cringe in the first place. Because I was like, that's, that's the. You don't get much more American in sports than the word overtime. I mean,
1: the original green white checkered, I was okay with because it made races not able to end under a yellow flag. Which, right. Was okay, but now that they branded it overtime, and now you're guaranteed, no matter what, to have a a finish is just mind numbingly why.
2: And in NASCAR, a sport where drivers you got know, to car, you know, collisions and impacts are almost encouraged, given the state of the rules. Um, mm. You could kind of tell straight away exactly where that was going. And it's a it's, a, it's an awful accident. My God, Trix is a very lucky man indeed, given yeah, what happened to what, his car. And
0: that's what I'm talking but, about by being a little bit uncomfortable about it. Yeah, we course. also had these, these, like I say, just to, to put a full stop on this point, we had the double standards on Saturday in the Xfinity Series finale, because they've also adopted playoffs in the chase in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series, both series where there's only about maximum of 15 to 16 full-time teams in the entire series and about a handful of them are competitive at any one time so So, yeah half the field gets into the
1: playoffs
0: (laughs) yeah like half the field gets into the playoffs by default yeah great job there uh let's not talk about the trucks introducing a caution clock which literally throws a sodding caution every half an hour oh my god it makes my brain hurt um, in the Xfinity Series finale you had Colwitt staying out there trying to win the thing he of course gets a crap restart two guys behind him are jammed up they got nowhere so Suarez effectively was fighting one guy they all go off on him and my entire Twitter was just going Colwitt oh fuck that guy disrespectful blah and he was the world's biggest heel and I'm sat there going wow normally it would be like well fair play to him he went for the win isn't that what you want <laughs> But do you see what I mean? All this ranting and all this complaining, and I'm, it's almost like it gets to a point where it's like, blah, 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 blah. no, yeah, it's I'm
2: like, like if it you're... almost just
0: gets to a plateau where it's just like, no, I'm just. Again, it's like Gross said, Matt Gross said, it's like a disassociation thing, and like I've stayed pretty true with NASCAR for over a decade now. I first started watching in two thousand one. I couldn't watch that often for a lot of it because it was on all sorts of TV channels and sometimes it wasn't at all. And I, you know, back in the old days, I had to rely on my my uncle taping some of the races on VHS and then giving me the tape to watch. That's how I watched my favourite driver, Jeff Burton's, the first time I watched him win a race in 2006. Um, <clears throat> it was like four days after the fact. But again, this, you know, I just knew to stay off certain sections of the internet. It wasn't like now where it's like, if you open your computer, you will get something spoiled. But um, I just, I, like, I, I I faded away after 2012. I didn't watch much of the 2012 season, but then I came back again, and I just sort of feel this horrible sense of, like... I mean, this year, what I was really hoping... Because at the end of last year, I had a very similar thought. All the stuff with, uh, with Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick causing the intentional wreck on the final restart of Talladega, and that total shit show. Like, it's almost a yearly thing that there is shenanigans and controversy and stupid things going on in the chase, because what the hell do you expect with a format like this that where entire seasons can be thrown out the window on Just that's it all over. And it, like King said, it makes the regular season feel worthless. If you're like, yeah hey, I'm going to cheer my driver all the way through the regular season, except there's a chance that his entire championship will be rendered obsolete two races into the chase. Oh, yeah. great. Well, or, that was or you can win I the feel day- really good for investing in all that. You
1: know or what you I mean? He could win the Daytona 500, be locked into the chase and his season's basically worthless until the playoffs. Yep.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I remember at Talladega this year in the chase, three, at least three of the four Joe Gibbs racing cars were pretty much a lock for the next round as long as they finished. So they just stayed at the back. This is the very thing this playoff <laughs> format was supposed to eliminate. It's creating more of it. And it just makes my brain hurt, honestly. But do you see what I mean? Like, I'm kind of dark. Like, I remember there was a big video that went around a few years back and it kind of became like a big meme. It was just called I'm done with NASCAR. And it was someone screaming and that. But honestly, I don't know. Like, I kind of, um, what I was really hoping for this year, like I say, I had similar feelings to this last year, but what I was fi- hoping for this year is that the lower downforce package would improve the racing enough for me to bring it back. It did early on, but ultimately, once the yeah. chase takes over and it's just in, insuff- it's like white noise, I just too now. Yeah, that, that's, just...
1: that's the most frustrating part of this. That beneath all the, you know, the, political stuff out like all the bad pr outside of the racing the the bad playoff format there's still decent racing underneath that there's still like a good product there if they could just get all the other stuff right
0: yeah like i mean like sam collins of race car engineering may well have summed it up inadvertently really well on an earlier uh, Nismo TV broadcast of the Super GT Championship earlier this year. Hi, RJ. This is your shout out. Um, he happened to say, you know, the Super GT Championship has great racing, you know, between so many different varied cars. And he said, it's because engineers run the championship, not marketing men. Unfortunately, it means the marketing's not very good, but it means the actual core product is very good. And I feel like NASCAR's almost in the in the opposite now. It's run by the marketing people. And to come back to what I was saying earlier about being stuck in two different minds, the on-track product is what hardcore racing fans want the most. We we want to actually sit down and watch a race and things happening, you know, not like F1 where it's, it, you know, gut-wrenchingly predictable and then we're just living for a race which lasts beyond the first lap. Um, so the racing product has not been good enough on that level, in my opinion, the last few years. It's improved this year, but just not enough to overcome the other problems. And the problem is it's gone, well... We don't. We want to be more mainstream. We want to have mass appeal, even though we're simultaneously also endorsing people that like the hardcore, slightly racist parts of the fan base. Would love. yeah, exactly. I mean, that's and just I, bad. I think but in like, the
1: Slack chat, I also mentioned that they that like there are still a lot of NASCAR fans who hate that Toyota's involved in the sport. I know, <laughs> like, get I'm over it. it seriously. But this is the sort of sport. It, it, it's so
0: the, the core fans are not happy because. And, and I count, weirdly, I count myself as one of the core fans. I don't live for any... Of, of I just course want, you do. <laughs> I just Well, I just know from a perspective of I just want good on-track racing. That's why of I lost the V8 Supercars Championship. I think pound for pound, the Supercars Championship probably has the best on-track product of any series in the world right now. I'd put Super GT up there. I'd put IndyCar as probably the best open-wheel series pound for pound for on-track, you know, racing, you know, a good balance of every element, you know, strategy, excitement, blah, 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 blah. But where NASCAR has put all of its chips on excitement and hype, it hasn't attracted the mainstream. It hasn't brought in the reality TV, huge hype, you know, just uh, kind of, uh, that's the best way I can describe it. It's, uh, are you excited yet? Are you? Are you not entertained? It's not brought Uh, that crowd in.
2: Ironically, that's how I react to most reality TV, so I guess if the boot fits, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, for me, I don't know.
0: I mean i feel like next year may well be one of the first years i voluntarily don't watch nascar yeah like, and just spend more time like when you know because we get enough of this on them on the show we get oh you need to watch this this weekend we need to do that Dude, we don't want this to turn into a chore. We don't want to be like, oh shit, I've got this motorsport and that series, and that I, oh Christ, I, I, every I, I weekend.
2: Lit- I literally get half a dozen messages every week telling me DTM, why are you watching WEC? this series. DTM, yeah. WEC, British BTCD. touring cars. Yeah, yeah. And, no, and, I, like, and, and at this point, I'm starting. To, I'm starting to get their point, and, and you know, like it's 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 unfortunate that um. I mean, I'm not. I, again, people that people, if you're new to the podcast, I am not an NASCAR viewer in the slightest. And no. And it's not that I actively hate the series. I've got phenomenal respect for the drivers and the people that are involved in it. And I respect the skill it takes to be good at it. But it's just, it's a form of racing. That's never really appealed to me all that much. Mm. The only two made like the two major stories that have come through NASCAR's way on a mainstream level this year has been association to Donald Trump. Now, as a young black male from coming from London in the United Kingdom, do you really think I want to watch that series when its main two headlines that have come out of it this year hasn't been Jimmy Johnson's championship? It's been Donald Trump endorsements from its main CEO. Yeah, the guy that's though, representing like, your brand.
1: We should be like, NASCAR should be on that like crazy like Jimmy Johnson's dumped something truly his. he has just tied
0: the two most successful drivers in nascar history on seven championships i'm actually pleased i was really delighted happy that for jimmy him. johnson like i'm pleased because the last time when he won five championships in a row up to 2010 they started tweaking the original chase format to stop it happening he then wins again in 2013 they introduced the playoff format it's as if to say for crying out loud we need stop to stop keep... jimmy
2: winning <laughs>
0: yeah and now he's won it again like i don't know like I, it probably won't kill the playoffs at this point because Brian France is completely wedded to it. It's like it's like a politician's promise. It's like, well, it, it's either that or we U-turn on it. And I admit, and I got it wrong. So they're stuck with it. They're wedded to it. And that's kind of why I'm just disillusioned. I'm like, I can't see it turning around. I can't, the reasons why I'm losing my love of NASCAR are, are not going away anytime soon. So I'd rather spend next year watching series I generally want to get out of bed for and generally want to, like, lock in in front of the television
2: for, it's- like... Do you got you got time for a do you got time for and A Q&A question, Johnson? Because I had a couple of interesting NASCAR ones. I thought I'd slot in here. Yeah, yeah, go on. Sure, might well. I might as well. You know, might as well get it all out of the way right now. Get, get we'll, 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 this We call this closure round here. we're doing you a favor. <laughs> this is like motorsport counselling <sighs> with, with yeah, your boy I feel Dre like I'm here. In therapy right now. <laughs> yeah, let, 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 let Uncle Dre put, put, a, put a cool, soothing hand on your shoulder and tell you it's going oh. to be okay. Thank but, you. But um, yeah, Harry Repton asks: With the chase format being so different now, can we really? put JJ48 on the same level as Petty and Earnhardt, and should we separate championships oh, oh. into post and pre-chase times? This is another
0: issue you have with this playoff format. We get this question now, and that's unfair the thing on is, Jimmy Johnson. Let me do my thing first, thing, sorry. <laughs> Here <we go>. um, <laughs> Like This is another thing that frustrates me about it. People are not going to look back on Johnson's championships with the same level of respect, even though they were probably tougher to win, if anything. Richard Petty got to 200 wins. Do you know how many of those were races at local short tracks that were NASCAR Cup-sanctioned events, but had, like, 20-car fields, and most of them were privateers from the local town? Right. It's like sort of a British touring car driver winning championships and winning, like, 300 races, but some of them are British touring car championship races. Others are, like brscc club saloon car championship races do you know what i mean right it's kind of like that so if anything the level of competition is higher now in jimmy johnson's era dale earnhardt i'll give you but like dale earnhardt is hell is like the Ayrton center of nascar like you can't like he is on such a godlike level that people just don't believe anyone's ever going to be better um, I right. mean weirdly it's not like F1 where if you really want to put someone over you compare them to Senna all the time sure. but like he's like a proper sacred cow like you just don't like oh is he as good as a-? no well don't, maybe he's as good as- don't uh, you no. dare go there he has as many championships as Dale Earnhardt. no and it's like well actually he deserves to be in the conversation as far as I'm concerned Jimmy Johnson is the best of the current era right now he's sure. You know, he is a model professional, an amazing athlete, a phenomenal race driver, an all round game that that still shames everybody else. And in a way, you know, like it just feels and, you know, the fact that people are not going to give this any credit kind of highlights the current playoffs. Big, big problem. It's a crapshoot. It's an absolute right. crapshoot. Any number of things could have happened to take Johnson out in round two or round one, and we wouldn't be having this story. Let, Joey Logano
2: would be the champion, let, or something let's else. Let's just like, put it to te- te- this way.
0: Chance is too
2: high a factor in it. Yeah, let's, let's just put it to you this way. Sorry, Johnson, but let's just put it to you this way. Formula One has its season finale this Sunday, and mm-hmm. I find it ironically amazing that the lottery-style factor of Formula One has played a lot into how people are perceiving this finale. I just got into a fifteen-minute tiff on Twitter as we speak with X matty G that was trying to give every reason in the world on X Twitter. Ex-Ham G, ham G, even though he's not really a Hamilton fan, but he's like, he's basically coming up with every excuse in the book to think nah, Rosberg he's just being like might one of those meme the wars title. To be
0: like Leo Rosberg.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he got like a three hundred liked tweet saying, "Oh, like he was, he was the inner Kermit meme about of oh, of Verstappen might not like, get involved in a title fight." Oh, but driver of the day, though, and um, you know, the inner Kermit meme that's been going around in the last week or so. But he was coming up with every reason in the book to say, "Oh, why Rosberg might bottle the titles." Which my response was, "Yes, and that I can date." J- I too can date Jennifer Lawrence while I'm at it. Now, <laughs> the, the, the element of this is that it's like the in motorsport, we have to accept that. Human error plays a massive part in it. Not just on track, but off track in how these cars are built. Sometimes shit goes wrong. The chase format exaggerates that very element of motorsport you preferably want to avoid nobody really wants to see mechanical issues affect how a championship goes Look, take basically take a look at every Valentino Rossi fan around 2006 and you'll see what I mean it's it's, (laughs) it's, it's that same nature nobody really wants engine failures and things that are outside of the squishy bits hands Uh, like I said it before on on the Drey series we will always care most about drivers so when a driver makes a mistake it's one thing when a car makes it makes an error it's another thing entirely but in an ideal world you never want that part of motorsport to come into play where something funky could happen that could ruin a guy's championship like it, the chase format from what I can tell exaggerates that very knife edge that we live on nope. with motorsport where You're something funky right. and fucked up could happen and like if I was running a motorsport series a playoff format is bad enough but the idea of a playoff format where one wrong move in a field of forty or so drivers and cars, where one wrong move can eliminate you from a championship, and cancel out all your hard work going into a season, I think that's terrible. And and like it gets you've you've nailed the point perfectly.
0: What ends up happening is, like we said earlier, it makes entire championship, entire seasons meaningless. In that, like it's just rubbed out like yeah. you can have oh great but, championship season we make the chase oh you've engines block oh you're out of the chase oh well i really well it, me getting emotionally invested and in supporting you throughout the last you know six to eight months of racing that really i really feel good about that like at least in the v8 su- supercars championship like let me put it this way the premier league right one of the biggest sporting leagues in the world sure does it does it feel the need to panic if a team runs
2: away and wins the wins the league by 10 points no nope. nope because nope. they know the f- the rest of the field will catch up and the f- and the field will eventually balance itself out Sir so Alex right. Ferguson didn't win the league every year with Manchester United no. and th- that was the beauty of it you never really knew who was going to win going into a season and mm. hell we just had a team that was 5,000 to 1 to win the Premier League last August win the damn thing and it exactly. was arguably the greatest highlight season the Premier League has ever seen and probably yeah. will ever see and now they're terrible again because that's the beauty of football sometimes like and motorsport is so guilty of this in this regard where uh, not only of nascar changing the chase format this formula one was a sport that crippled ferrari in 2005 (laughs) because they were afraid that schumacher was winning so much it would kill the series popularity even Mm. though schumacher was hailed as a god back then
1: like like i do have to mention one thing NASCAR changed their point system before, before even the Chase in the '70s. They changed their point system because they realized how broken it was in the '70s. Yeah, exactly. when Richard Petty
0: was getting so many championships. No, yeah, I'm assuming
1: after Richard Petty won his second championship, because the point system used to be based on prize money. So ah, different races yeah. offer different prize money prizes. So uh in his second championship season the 1974 season richard petty won the daytona 500 he got twice as much prize money as the guy who finished in second place
0: so he literally won almost locked up the championship based off that one result yeah and the daytona 500 was the second race of the season wow yeah there you go so uh, and like and for me it it just comes back to this kind of disillusionment and disaffection. Like I just don't feel like an emotional investment is worthwhile anymore. Like I stick around for, I I may watch the Daytona 500. I don't know. I'm not certain because it's a big race in its own right. It's like the Bathurst 1000, the Le Mans 24 hours. It's a big one-off race and you have to, you, you kind of go like this race will matter beyond the end of the race. Do you know what I mean? Like this result will matter. Like the Bathurst 1000, Is like drivers can go their entire careers without winning a championship, but like Greg Murphy, two-time Bathurst winner, he's a legend. Yeah, it's it's that big race.
1: Like I I, exactly, I I don't watch like I don't watch the entire NASCAR season. I like follow it from afar, but there's still the big races that I still watch and care about. Like, the 500, the night race at Bristol, the Southern 500, like those races Mm. I still watch. But and the Southern 500, they've done uh, ironically, they've done a great job of revitalizing that race
0: by going back to their roots. Yeah. Deliberately celebrating their past. And I'm it's kind of weird how most of the time they're kind of uncomfortable. They have an uncomfortable relationship with their past. Which is very weird given that up till the recent past, a lot of it was great. Like I don't know. I think I'm I'm done talking about this for for now. I'm kind of vented. Basically, yeah. from here on out, if you've got stuff to talk about with NASCAR, don't immediately at me thinking that I'll like know everything about it or ask me questions or go, dude. Have you seen this news? Have you seen that news? Because I just want to be more invested in series I actually like. So next year... You know, I watch F1 for the podcast, literally. The fact that we can then poke fun at it on the podcast is why I watch F1 at this point. Let's
2: put it this way. <laughs> F1 gives us far too much material for us not to rag on it at some point. <laughs> Basically, that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's and, the beauty and, and of and this. the with F1,
1: <laughs> a- you still get like a good race every once in a while.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. very similar to WWE in that
0: regard. If you're a wrestling podcast, you can't not talk about WWE Raw, no matter how shit it is. But then every few months, you'll get one blow away Raw and be like, oh shit, there we go yeah and then back to average again but yeah like next year i think i'll just invest more in the supercars championship especially as that might be changing you know maybe going fading i don't know what's happening with that series but next year is kind of the last year that we know for certain that it will be a certain way so it may be changing beyond recognition as well super gt i think rj o'connell has opened my eyes to that and i'm really looking forward to that next year i kind of like their philosophy just to put a full stop on it i like the fact that super gt they're going you You can do what you want with your tyres. You can have a lot of flexibility with the rules and the development and stuff. But just understand that if one of you like dominates a race, we're going to ballast you. And then, and then what? What if a team still ends up winning quite a few races? Well, they deserved it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: it, you it's know, that it, simple. It's amazing how asinine that sounds in theory, but it actually is very effective. Who knew? I put
0: it this way. Final, final point. People are going to, in my mind, people are going to talk... We're seeing this with the whole Jimmy Johnson seven championships. Oh, but Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt were still better. The last three championship finales under the playoff system, which basically guarantees a four-way fight at the finish and therefore kind of makes it less special. People are going to be talking about the two closest finishes pre-playoffs, i.e. 1992, where Alan Colwicky won... In his underbird as he called it because it was an underfunded Thor thunderbird you see the pun there yes um, yes he well won done. by 10 points over an entire season uh and it came down to the final race and it was about as tense as you could ever wa- want a nascar race to be and you also then had 2011 which was ironically under the old chase format which kind of just reset the points would tend to go and then sort of went well reset that's it go nuts
1: mini season so
0: yeah there we go and it came down to Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart racing head-to-head for most of the race at Homestead, both of them having different fates through the race, flowing up and down. Tony Stewart faded to the back. He was then on a different strategy and all this stuff on the other. It came down to them finishing 1-2 on the road, Tony Stewart winning on a tiebreaker. Yeah. People are going to remember those two championship finales for decades. I don't think people are going to remember the
2: recent championship finales we've had, especially because they're just the norm now. And just before we move on from NASCAR real quick, any last words on Tony Stewart after his final race? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I did forget to mention that. Yeah, wow. One of the guys who helped
0: me get into NASCAR, honestly, a real firebrand and a real, like, not always likable. He was kind of like, he was very much a CM Punk in that regard. Sometimes Mm. you'd be like, God, this guy's a dick. But other times you're like, no, I kind of love this guy. And the way he raced on the track, I mean, he... Embodied his idol AJ Foyt. Like, as soon as it, in interviews, it was like, well, my idol's AJ Foyt. I'm like, makes sense. There we go. It explains everything. Great talent. I don't think we're going to see a driver quite like him
2: ever again. Yep. But, um yeah, just, just, like, uh, so King, anything else you want to say in this extended Keep It One? I heard you watched um, the Macau Grand Prix this weekend. Unfortunately, I, I would have watched it myself, but unfortunately, I wasn't around this weekend due to due the work commitments.
1: But what did you make of Macau, real quick? Ooh, Macau. <laughs> it's, ugh in to be brief it's definitely one of my races of the year Surpr- like oh, I didn't, wow. like I kind of I don't watch it as a chore like Macau is always a fun race to watch just sure. because it's you it's not that often you see something other than an f1 car or an Indy car on a street circuit and seeing yeah. F3 cars on a street circuit especially with guys who rarely ever race on street circuits it's always a fun watch, and you get to see the new guys who are going to be making an impact for years to come. And surprisingly and unsurprisingly, the race was down to three guys, two of which who've won the Macau Grand Prix before and one who hasn't. And uh, let's let's get this out of the gates first. First contender, Felix Rosenquist, some a guy that we're familiar with. <laughs> Driver for hire. Driver yeah, for brother. hire. Making yeah. a return, making, making, taking a shot to become the first ever three-time winner of the Macau Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Also returning winner, Anthony Antonio Felix DaCosta. So easy to
2: call him Anthony, isn't it? I do yeah. it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm guilty. Yeah. Well, wasn't
0: there a former uh, member of the former boy band Blue called Anthony Costa? Yes. 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 Doesn't help.
2: Doesn't help. <laughs> W- and, what a
1: reference that
2: is. Holy fuck. Last, not, last <laughs> 90s but not up least,
1: the Casa's teammate and Red Bull Junior driver. Oh, God. Oh, I forget his first name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, set a camera, the Brazilian at Red Bull. Oh, yeah. And, and what happened? It was a thrilling race. It Set a camera. Uh, he's... He, he, when you watch the young guys drive, you could tell that they have a lot to learn, but you could see the ability that's there, and camera had skill. The moves that he pulled would probably make Verstappen blush. Oh, wow. Like, that sounds pretty crazy. The, like, the, the tight street circuits of Macau, it made... Like, he he made Anthony Felix Acosta for, for a couple moments look just like any other of the young guys out there. So the Camera was that impressive, but one of the problems that City Camera had that he could not drive defensively to save his life. Like his main move to to avoid getting passed down the long front straight at Macau was essentially just weaving to side to side, hoping the other guy would not try to, you know, get a toe off of him. Oh Jesus Christ. <sighs> so he eventually was a sitting duck, the costa got out in front and started pulling away, and then the fight between became like Let's get this clear, Nikasa ran away eventually. There were two safety car periods during the race, and they kind of like uh camera got in front of him for a couple moments, but he couldn't hold it because obviously he could not drive defensively.
2: Yeah, not helpful.
1: So it was him um, and Rosenquest and two laps ago. First corner after the main straight, Rosenquest goes for a move, I think around the outside, holds it like side-by-side for I think the next couple corners, and then up through the narrows, and Rosenquest gets the move done and gets second place. Wow.
2: That (laughs) sounds pretty gnarly.
1: Yes, yes. So the race ends with Antonio Felix Acosta becoming the third two-time winner of the Macau Grand Prix with quest second and set the camera third and I don't think this is going to be this is not going to be the last time we're going to be talking about camera on this podcast cuz he's going to be a name we hear about a whole lot more either next year in European Formula 3 I think he's racing in or he might be moving to GP3 but he's gonna Ooh. be a guy to look out for.
2: Sounds interesting indeed. Also, shout out to Antonio for also immediately announcing his Macau retirement after his <laughs> win. Yeah. Saying
1: it's one for the young boys. <laughs> yeah. Like me and RJ were joking around, like maybe Rosenquest would come back and then and then Felix Acosta would come back and be a battle of the Felixes to see would become the first three time winner. But Antonio shut that down. <laughs>
2: Yeah, his quote was I'm not coming back this is not for me this is for the rookies and the guys who want to go to Formula 1 I'm not going to Formula 1 anymore so this is my last race in the F3 car next year I'll come back and race with the old boys in the GTs
1: oh, <laughs> talk about the GTs on the GT oh, race. God. A guy who
0: wins
2: the race upside down. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> I did see this This clip, this clip kind of went viral. It was on Give Me Sport for a little while as well. And back in the UK, like a driver won the GT race while finishing upside down.
1: Yes. Is this true? Yes. <laughs> yep. Lawrence Van Thor is that good. Yeah, Lawrence <laughs> Van Thor. Uh, you know that if you've ever driven or watched Macau, you know that kink on the front straight. Vanthor went a little bit wide clipped the armco the front of his car got a little bit up in the air he he caught Rice. some wind and flipped over I think what also didn't help
0: is that uh, oh, Bamber and the Porsche had just passed him and I think took a bit of air off the nose that's what caused yeah. him to run wide
1: yeah. oh wow oh, so great. he goes over, red flag and because of red flag and the race being over they count back two laps he was in the lead, he wins the race brilliant
2: that's one that's one for Vine right there uh, oh yeah fair,
0: was shit. very classy about it he tweeted a photo of the crash and his car uh, just in front of it and he was like this is a view I never want to see again in my rear view mirrors so glad he's alright yeah <laughs>
2: shit shit that's and I think ca- that was the thing
0: of everyone it was almost like holy shit that was a big crash was the guy okay yeah by the way that guy also won the race <laughs> what
2: what <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, so a little hard to stick away from Macau. I promise I will watch next year. God damn me and my work commitments. That actually sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So our extended Keeping It 101 only went for an hour and five minutes. Great job, everybody. <laughs> well done. That's off. Claps grounds of applause all round. Then again, we haven't really got much else to talk about on this week's show, (laughs) anyway. So sod it. This thing's still going to go three hours. Let's not lie. Yeah, mission accomplished, quite frankly. But yeah, we're (laughs) going to kind of cut to the WEC. They're something else, I would say, in a hurry. We're going to talk about the WEC a little bit. Um, Yeah, and And I'm going to tag out at this point because I didn't see any of this. Well, we're not even going to talk about the race all that much, really. You'll see, you'll see what I mean when we get there. But uh, yeah, let, this is the part where we talk over some creative music for a bit while we switch over to the next segment. So let's do that now.
0: Oh, jeez, I've got to make a WBC jingle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. we got a jingle right there. <laughs> hey, all. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we had to improvise a jingle on that one. Sorry, we never had Johnson make a WEC jingle before. So all you guys telling me that we know we we don't cover enough endurance racing on here. There you go. Are you all happy now? It only took three major retirements for this to happen. Okay, you got it? Good. Thank you very much. Right. So let's talk about the WEC. Oh, crap. <laughs> We've got to talk about the Ooh. WEC. Um, yeah, OK. But in all seriousness, this is a big deal. And it was quite a significant weekend for endurance racing in general. It was the final round of the WEC this um, this, this past weekend in Bahrain. The six hours of Bahrain, to be specific. And we have to say one final goodbye to the Audi Sports endurance team after 18 years in endurance racing they, they first debuted back in 1998 um, a fitting way for them to say goodbye to the WEC the way they pretty much came in they dominated and took a 1-2 victory <laughs> as you do like, like, that is the most Audi way you could possibly have, have quit the WEC king but um, a nice touch right eh? <laughs> yep
1: yeah, nice touch uh, I don't know it, it felt Bittersweet because, mm, like dick. again, it, it really felt like I didn't watch the race. I kind of followed it on social media. Me too. Me too. And it like it felt like no one was watching. It literally felt like no was. one was watching.
2: It's 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 weird because like I have a timeline like King that is very much like motorsport infused with a lot of guys in motorsport, and it just. It just kind of felt sombre more than anything else. There was no real excitement about it. I heard it wasn't that particularly captivating of a race. Um, it, it the whole thing just just kind of felt like a, a tribute to Audi more than anything else. The whole weekend, um, to me, it kind of feels like the end of an era. Really, it like does. the
0: WEC has been in a boom period the last few years. The hybrid era really took off. We've been enjoying this three, sometimes four way battle between major manufacturers all investing in, and then this year was kind of the year where it kind of hit the glass ceiling, and then Audi pulling out. Out of all of them, yeah. Audi was the one that no one expected to leave. Like the- we spent last year batting off the the on um, potentially rumors with some merit about them going to f1 blah de blah but yeah, like yeah. it was just like even that rumor if it was just a rumor it was such a big story because no one expected Audi to go and it's almost like it now did. people are a bit worried that like the the endurance championship this will be like the end of a golden era maybe it'll go down maybe it'll really hit trouble again or maybe it'll plateau maybe it'll come back up who knows but it's a kind of a weird sort of unknown a bit like
2: most things this year to be honest with you but it's like, true it's true and I mean, it's, it's, it's it's
0: also <laughs> uncovering a weird thing that like if audi leaves like it's also like up until this point people have sort of been not too fussed about the high costs of the lmp1 hybrid class like in f1 you know everyone's had to stomach the stupidly expensive hybrid engines Mm -hmm. but it's it's like now suddenly it's like oh well Audi are leaving we'll need someone to replace them and reportedly manufacturers like Peugeot and that have gone we want to join in but we can't fund a hybrid program if you could make petrol engine regular old petrol or internal combustion or diesel engines competitive we'd be there but it's almost like they built this hybrid thing enough manufacturers signed on to it and went all in on it and it was like great But now Audi have pulled out. It's kind of almost like a house of cards. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Because, like, as much as people don't like Bernie Eccleston, one of the good things he's done for Formula One is making it. Teams are contractually obligated to stay for, you know, the length of their contract, while in the WC teams like Audi, they can just pull out if they want to. Wow. And it's. Audi
2: has become the pillar of endurance racing now. I mean, they have. They have been the model, the blueprint for success. I mean, their goodbye video was incredible. I mean, it, it, when it puts into context just how much they've achieved, how many records they've broken, thirteen Lamont victories in their eighteen years in endurance racing. That is an unbelievable yeah. level of level of achievement. Two WEC world championships to throw in there as well. There some I you know, drivers that have become legends in, in their sport like Tom Christensen, Alan McNish that have won multiple Lamont. Mons. you know Loic Duvall's had an incredible career over there Tom Christensen and Tom Christensen obviously Andre Lotzera as well and um, yep. you know it could go I could go on and on and on about their achievements what they've achieved in terms of a, of a brand in terms of a car in terms of technology in terms of you know things like winning in a diesel car winning in the hybrid era winning in the petrol era you know incredibly fast iconic cars that have become the st- audi r8 lmp of the mid-2000s was the dominant car it was incredible yep. but that was it like literally you tune into any given
0: sports car race if there was an lmp1 class and there was one of those in the race it would win it was that simple like the old joke used to be le mans 24 hours of cars going round, and then at the end of it all an audi <laughs> would win literally it's a given
1: <laughs> yeah well that was until <laughs> porsche came around with the rs spider and well, in the, AL, in the American Le Mans series, oh, at
0: least. That's why I fell in love with that car. It was like, holy shit, someone just beat Audi. In an uh, LMD2 car. Yeah, what the yeah. Fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah. like, literally, when I,
0: when I, last year, when I went and visited the Porsche Museum, like, oh when I saw that car, I came up the stairs and they had that car on display. I literally was like, oh, it's the car that slayed the Audi R8. Yeah. <laughs> that. It was like a sort of, oh, 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 like a and sort it, of hallowed moment. One yeah. of the things
1: that people forget. That car was a Penske car. <laughs> hey, <laughs>
2: is that why people are excited for Penske's maybe but not sports car return yes. next year? Yes, yes, hell yeah! <laughs> oh, yeah, but like I said, I think I think Audi won what was it seven or eight ALMS titles as well to go alongside yep. their endurance success, as well, obviously, in, in, in the WEC in general, and obviously the Le Mans series and all that crap. But uh, it's it's it made me very sad in the sense of it's. I've said it before, I think they are the greatest motorsport team of my life in in terms of motorsport
0: team Yoast combo, yeah. Yeah, I mean
2: it's I said it to Mullen and he pretty much agreed with me where he said that I think the only two teams in the conversation would be Ferraris F one team in the early two thousands and maybe the Mercedes team currently in Formula One right now. But But in in terms of eighteen years Eighteen years, and again, and they won the biggest race in their sport, Le Mans, thirteen times out of eighteen. That is just unbelievable. Are are you are you counting?
1: Are you also counting that one year where they were, you know, technically Bentley? Yeah. Wow. (laughs)
2: actually not not really but no so call it still was that still team
1: Yost it was was their drivers it was you know TK and I tell you what
2: you can say what you want about that Bentley it's one of my favourite prototypes ever so cheers Yost (laughs) yeah not a bad shout not a bad shout at all but um they are gone, and I must admit, like, the WEC, they did really treat this like a family member had left home. There was tri- There was beautiful tributes across the paddock, like Toyota had a tribute. I mean, imagine that. Imagine Ferrari having a Mercedes tribute on the front of their car. Like, you would never get that in Formula 1, but in the WEC, Toyota had a great big post on the front of their car saying, thanks for the competition, Audi, basically, on the front of their car. The mutual cars. respect
0: in that series is insane. Oh, it's,
2: it's, it's, it's wonderful. Like, like it's They... they they, the hashtag they use, I think the thing they used, was "WEC Family Forever," and it certainly gave, it certainly came across with that vibe. Um, again, like Toyota had the banner as well they, on the grid with Dr. Ulrich, the legendary Dr. Ulrich, on on the grid. I guess saying Toyota thanks for the competition. And there was the last twenty minutes; there were tears all over the place in the Audi pad. They had the tribute shirts out. Literally this is a I mean it's mm. based on a
0: mutual respect well built because Audi themselves have demonstrated this behavior down the years. They Absolutely. have been dominant but never they have been modest. If someone has beaten them like I remember this year uh oh no was it last year it must have been it must have been last year when Porsche was on to win 10 minutes before the end Dr. Ulrich walked down to the the Porsche pit and started shaking everyone's hand and congratulating them. He was yes. like fair play guys you beat us and I'm and you're just like wow that is so and it's like scott dixon levels of sickeningly <laughs> humble do you know what i mean you, like they are the scott you, dixon yeah. of sports
2: car racing you, you would know mr mrs laura trot um basically mrs but, laura trot what the uh, hell <laughs> <laughs> my bad my bad but so, yeah, like i remember when and porsche won with hulkenberg and, and 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 tandy last like last year i remember specifically that Audi took out a full page ad in in in, in tribute um, to Porsche in the local newspaper in Le Mans. So they they, they they know what it's like. They are an incredibly classy outfit. And again, they've been a staple of motorsport for the last 20 years now, effectively. And and I my favourite moment, and I don't know if Johnson could edit this in in post-production, was the race director on the radio. I think Audi got to lead the formation lap. It was a two-lap formation lap. I think It was more like a goodbye Audi little tribute as they, they, they got to lead. Like, it was almost like a lap of honour for Audi and the race director. The, um, if anyone watches WEC races, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about here. Eduardo Freitas? That, I think that's the one. Um, he, he got on the radio. Also, the race director has access to the team radio for everybody, so he came out and I think he said something along the lines of, and this is the part well, Johnson will probably edit it in, but it, it was something along the lines of yeah, you know, Audi has was grown up in the last eighteen years and they've left home with us being a family, we await their return in endurance where they belong on, behal- on on behalf of everybody. Thanks for everything, Audi, and it was a it was a beautiful tribute. And and and, um, I, I I find it touching just how much a motorsport series has embraced Audi as its backbone and staple. And if um, be honest with you, I mean we've mocked
0: WEC before for yes. being like the, the hipster's choice, but there's a reason why the WEC is probably the like racing enthusiasts series you know yes. it's like the ultimate of the hardcore series there's a very good reason for that because it is it, it, it is probably the series above all else that has stayed the most true to the yes. like gentlemanly nature yes. of motorsport it, it, you know it's a it, professional it motorsport it's competitive it's motorsports you know,
1: test cricket <laughs> yes it is oh that, what a great,
2: a great perfect way of putting analogy. it analogy yeah that's absolutely spot on yeah it's just that old spirit of the game um you know that's the sort, sort of, of series yeah. where
0: someone will call a foul on themselves do you yes. know what I mean
2: yeah absolutely they're very honest they are very open it's, it's, it's it feels like a family in a WEC and I think it's that nature of racing for six maybe 24 hours and we, I think everybody in that paddock that races knows just how hard it is um, to do that and just how physically mentally demanding the entire sport is so I think whenever somebody wins or loses it's treated with the utmost of respect and I think that's always a very cool thing, and that's something I will always appreciate about the WEC. Even if I'm not a long time that a, 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 a long time fan, I've not been a particularly active watcher over the last few <laughs> years. But I will. I mean, how,
0: how what a, what a polar opposite? One series you don't watch that much. We've just been crapping on, and then another series you don't watch too much. You like,
2: yeah, fair play. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it's it's just
1: like... not, We're not watching the WEC for like a completely different reason.
2: It's, uh, I think we'll get to that in a question that Josh sent into the show later on. He's he plays an active writer in this section because we're actually dedicating one segment on this segment about the WEC to him, which he's brought up a lot. And and he's got a question in here too, which I'll get to in a minute. But it was also another significant retirement for another driver in the field, and it was the final motorsport race in the career of Mark Webber. And we kind of joked about this at the end of a show we did when it was announced he was going to be retiring at this race, um, me and King are kind of guilty of that one. Mostly me, to be honest, because I am like chief. I don't really like Mark Webber guy on, on this podcast but it was the final race in the career of Mark Webber Porsche is, 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 is number one Porsche finished in third. So, you know, the podium was the two Audi main, the two main staple Audi teams and Mark Webber's Porsche team with um, Timo Bernhard as well. So it was, it was a nice little touch as so the, the three main retirements were all on the podium basically. And, uh, Mark Weber, everybody. I mean, let's let's talk a bit about Mark and his career because we didn't really do it justice the first time we mentioned it. So we might as well dedicate <laughs> this next few minutes to that. But um, Mark Weber's had, I think, a, a career that I think, given it started out in Minardi, really from a mainstream standpoint. I mean, the fact he's gotten to where he's gotten is. An incredible achievement. I think that's fair to say given I think is it fair to say that he's one of the great like and this sounds like
0: I'm being harsh on his his talent, which I'm not, but he's one of the great overachievers. Absolutely. He's more like the sort of driver that you don't expect to to get to the very top. The fact that he did, you're like, Wow, that's yeah, a kind of pleasant surprise. Like, I didn't expect that. Like
1: running down his records, like I would like running down his career, I would call him like our sport's greatest bridesmaid. Like, like it comes off as an insult, but what he achieved... It isn't. He's like an F1 Mark Martin. Yeah, like, he, I know his career in Europe started in British Formula Ford, where he finished second in the 1996 <laughs> season, but he, he won the Formula Ford Festival. Yeah, I guess that counts. But that's the uh, thing It's like... 2001, I'd- International Formula 3000, which is today GP2, he finished second...
2: Yeah.
1: Oh geez. I I I spot a pattern here. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. The best result he could ever pull off in a Formula One season is third. He's finished third in Formula One on three in three different seasons. Uh when he made the switch over to the endurance championship in his second season, he finished he was the world. Endurance drivers championship in the twenty fifteen season, but that year he got his best result at Le Mans, which was a second. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, he's
0: a world champion in that discipline yes, at least. Yes. And like like the thing is with with Weber, he's a he won the, the Monaco Grand Prix, the biggest event in in Formula One. So that's a huge career mm-hmm. highlight to him. I just kind of like the fact that Weber felt like in, in a sport that was so we criticize so often about being distant and elitist and everything. And I think this, you know, this same charm comes from Daniel Ricciardo. I'm just going to blame the Australians for this. They're very <laughs> yeah, like, good at this in like, general. Like he, he's very, he was very relatable. Shout, he kind of felt like Zaski. you could sort of go to the pub with him. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, like, like
1: shout, shout out to Mark Webber because he's definitely led this, led a younger generation of Australians and Kiwis to be more, you know, prevalent in international motorsport, whether it be Ricciardo, Mitch Evans, Brendan Hartley. Like Jack Miller. yeah, <laughs> Or Jack Miller, too. Hey, MotoGP race winner, Jack Miller. <laughs> yeah. hey oh.
2: hey but But uh, I, I think RJ O'Connell summed it up best on Twitter where he says, we'll never forget the 0-2 Aussie Grand Prix, where he scored points for Milardi by finishing in fifth. The first win, Nürburgring 2009. The 2010 title run that very nearly could have been... Or the first title last year in the WEC, and again, I think that's like some... by any metric, that's an awesome career. Yeah. It is, it is, it is a pretty damn solid career. Like, it, it, he would be. For I like to call it a hall of very good up yeah. in that in that sense. And you know, 9F1 Grand Prix wins, many an iconic soundbite. And I will all I think as I've said it before, I'm not the biggest Mark Weber fan in the world, I've made that quite clear over the last few years. But what if there's one thing I will always respect about Mark Weber was that he was never afraid to speak his mind. Even if I've mocked him for it on multiple occasions. Yeah, even if
1: sometimes he was wrong, he was never afraid to say what he felt.
2: And in a world where we are often told to pull our tongues in, in a world full of PR, silly nannies, in a world where F1 does everything to stop its drivers from having personalities. Look at what we just saw when Sebastian Vettel dropped an F-bomb on the team radio. In in, in that sort of world, Mark Webber was always the one where you knew exactly what you were going to get. You could see the emotion, you could see the passion, the determination, and the honesty from Mark Webber. And that is something I will always associate with him in his racing career and I forget just how great he was just how fast he was in his days in F1 when he was in for shit teams like Jaguar and for, and for Williams in his day and you know mm. the fact he did get to the to the top of the mountain in the end in Formula 1. He drove for the best team in F1 for many, many years. Won multiple Grand Prixs, was further He had in the sort of Daniel Bryan career path, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. He, he, he was a late bloomer in terms of top tier seats, but he did get there. His loyalty to the Red Bull brand was rewarded in the end by the time 2009 and nine and ten rolled around where he was winning races on a semi-regular basis. and He never did get that world title in, in F1. He finished third, I think, on three separate occasions. But, you know, he had... Had that he, he did get his moment when he had the WEC title last year, which is, you know, he could finally called himself a world champion. And he's had many a scare too. I remember his, his like, like the, the Valencia crash where he drives over the back of hikey and he had that awful crash in the WEC where he like he, the, the pod was almost ripped out of the car completely. It was crazy. What about the 96
1: but, 24 hours of Mans?
2: I haven't even men- I mean, mentioned that. Oh as my well. god, yeah, I forgot about that. The, the iconic crash in endurance racing history, but um, has had an incredible career with many stories to tell and I might have to pick up his book at some point Like, am like my friend of the show Emily who used to edit our videos was insistent on, on telling me to go buy a book so, so if anybody wants to buy me that for Christmas you know feel free um, <laughs> I will definitely read it but um, a shout out to Mark Weber, one of the most iconic personalities i think of motorsport in this this side of the century and like i said uh, a, a great gritty racer that was never afraid to speak his mind and that is now that amazingly can go a long way in today's social media world out there so <laughs> shout out to mark webber for a great career um one interesting question before we move on from from josh shatil is a patreon back a so shout out to josh as always He's, he's up and to top backed up to five bucks again. So thanks, Josh. Much appreciated as always, sir. Enjoy your early <laughs> access. Um, he says, "You three aren't that interested in watching the WEC." Well, how dare you? He ain't <laughs> wrong, but still, um, he said, "What rule or format changes would you would would make you want to watch it?" Playoffs? No. 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 <laughs> no. I was about to super kick you there, Johnson. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> but um, real talk. I have nothing against the WEC for the most part apart from the e-parts. I just can't sit down for 6 hours to watch races. That's my problem. Like if there was WEC ice races of LMP1s that were racing for two hours instead of six I would happily watch it but welcome to IMSA I really should watch IMSA and sh- Super GT
0: effectively Super GT have Grand Prix length races and their top division cars are about as fast yeah.
1: as LMP1s because- shut up you marketing okay. whores yeah. <laughs> what, while- oh we get called marketing <laughs> Like, damn right if, if the WEC did something like what IMSA did this
0: is why Dre doesn't watch WEC because when we try and tell him to watch it we get this yes. oh, sure. yeah.
2: shut up <laughs> 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 I hate you all uh, to be
0: Honest with you, like I, I don't mind the WEC very much. I just think, like, I never normally have the time or the energy to fit it in with all the other stuff I watch, and I wouldn't want it to change for me because when I've watched WEC races, like, I like endurance racing on principle. I've Absolutely. watched many a Daytona 24 Hours. You know, my favorite race all year is the Bathurst 1000. That's a race that goes six to eight hours. Remember, you're talking so... about
2: the guy that watched the 24 Hours of Daytona this year and watched a good nine to ten hours of it. So I'm not completely yeah, exactly. against this idea for what it's worth. Before. All all the WEC fanboys come at me with their flaming pitchforks. I'm not against the idea of watching long races. It's just regular basis. When the standard race basis, is six hours. It's just too much for me. I, I can't, I can't I do like anything the IMSA, for six hours. I like hours. the
0: IMSA method of having certain races that are 90 minutes, certain races that are two hours 45, and then you have the marquee yeah, races, yeah. which are 24, 12, and six hours. Yeah, in
1: IMSA, yeah. the standard race distance is two hours and 40 minutes, and they have two sprint races That's an hour and 40, and the four-race North American Endurance Cup, which is the Rolex 24 at Daytona, 12 hours at Sebring, 6 hours at the Glen, and Petit Le Mans, which is 10 hours or 1,000 kilometers, whichever comes first.
2: Oh, and like, so that's that part of those races in it. Okay. Didn't
0: know that. Yeah, there we go. So, okay. I mean, if we're going to talk about a format change, there we go. I think we've just thought of one. variants in the race lengths. I think it kind of, the WEC kind of feels homogenized. Like, it feels like outside of Le Mans, it's like the six hours of this F1 track, the six hours of this other F1 track, because they will literally yeah. just go to the same F1 track. And I think that kind of hurts it, really. Like, it just sort of goes, like, some of the F1 tracks are magnificent for it. But, I mean, I like the fact they go to Fuji, they go to a former That's a nice F1 touch. track, granted. But I like that. That's a good touch. Fuji, sports car racing at Fuji is always excellent. Um, but like, I, I think mixing up the format a little bit, like in terms of race lengths, like I don't want sprint races. I don't want qualifying races. I don't want like too much of that sort of stuff. But give a few more like interesting different races so that it's not just some six hour races and then the 24, like maybe one Eight, ten, you know, a thousand kilometer, or I don't know, like a Petit Le Mans length race, maybe a 12 hour race, who knows, something like that. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Mix like it up. The GT3 scene. Yeah, the GT3 scene has a, a load of different races. Like the Blanc Pan series is now co- uh, consolidated into a load of sprint races, which are two one hour races. And then you have the three hour races with a season finale that's a thousand kilometers or six hours. And then you've got the Bathurst 12 hour, which is a GT3 race, and loads of other kind of one off races of that sort of... You know, variety is the spice of life. So yeah, mix up the race format a little like, bit.
1: Don't go too far. The one, but, one, yeah. one of the things that actually made the WEC the WEC special is not going to be around next year. They're not going to have Lone Star Le Mans next year. No! Yeah. That is a shame. Because, that
0: doubleheader with IMSA was great. Yeah,
1: IMSA's going back to COTA in May while while the WEC is still going back to Coda, but in September, so it's no longer a but double. I, I feel to me like the the
0: WEC has kind of burned a lot of bridges with the American sports car yeah. scene. Like, when the WEC first started, it included the 12 hours of Sebring and Petit Le Mans as rounds on the calendar. And then they, next year, they went, "Now we're just going to have our own one. And IMSA was like, wait, what? We've already got like two or three world-class... In- no, we're going to have our own one. And it just kind of smacked of a bit of... I'm not being funny. FIA-style, European-ish arrogance yeah. you know so we've seen that a little bit more with these clashes yeah, with formula e and things like that do you know what i mean i still
1: remember that year the 12 hours it wow. was spectacular because they didn't have separate races it was both the championships competing together yeah 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 it'll be
0: like i don't even know what sort of equivalent it would be it'd be almost like i don't know a combined f1 and IndyCar
1: race <laughs> yeah that's the closest thing
0: wow. or like a combined v8 supercar and british touring car race or a dtm and super gt race combined there you go okay but yeah that was that was pretty interesting that year but yeah I, d- I don't know like just they, but I think the WEC is so like like I say it is the traditional race fans racing enthusiasts series it's kind of proud of that and I wouldn't want it to lose that just for me do you know what i mean because yeah, sure. then i'd be the worst hypocrite ever given that i've just railed against nascar <laughs> for doing the exact same thing pretty much you know what i
2: mean yeah i get, I get you. i get you coming from when i said if they had like a three-hour race instead of a six-hour race i'd be down for that but you know yep six hours and that may kind of go
0: oh shit that race was really good what's the next one? Oh, the six hours of the Nurburgring. do you know what i might just watch that i might just stick around for the six hours. if you've had that lead in do you know what i mean sure yeah, so but you know who's
1: not going to be watching the 6 hours of never Ring next, next year? This guy. This guy. Oh. Because it's clashing with Formula E <laughs> and you're a Brooklyn boy. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. He's a joey wheeler of the podcast. What a guy. <laughs> but um yeah, that's just I'll just about do it for the WEC. Let's talk about the news. Here's the news, and we're recording this on Monday night, and we've already had, like, two... Ma- actually, no, I'd actually argue three major pieces of news that have all come out today, which um, is interesting, and we'll tackle these and various... Order before, we, before we handle the mailbag. But, um... Here's the first one coming from Formula One today. It's in regards to the Sauber unit, it's Marcus Ericsson, and Marcus Ericsson has, has, has announced he will be signing a new one-year deal with the Sauber team for 2017. So Sauber, we're seeing these these holes close up in the F1 driver market now. Um, Sauber was one of it was one of the two seats that we weren't quite sure about yet, but we now know one of them, Marcus Ericsson, was going to be staying at Sauber for at least another year, and King. No major complaints from this guy. I think Marcus has actually been pretty good this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's not my favorite. He's not my most favorite suite on the block, but he'll do.
0: <laughs> I think, to be honest with you, the timing of this move is pretty poor, given that at the moment Nazar's the one that everyone wants to be retained after he had his best yeah. yeah. <laughs> resolved the series and basically saved the team from extinction. But, you know, you can't complain about otherwise, Verrickson. Um, do you know what I mean? Like you can't complain elsewhere. He's been solid. The whole, he's been one of those drivers that generally more often than not brings the thing home and is, is fairly clean with it,
2: which for many team owners and bosses is pretty valuable. Pretty much. I can't argue with that. And again, it's, it's hard to get a true read on how good somebody is when they're driving for such a, you know, miserable team like Sauber at the moment. They, they've not got an awful lot to shout about apart from this past Brazilian Grand Prix. They were a real risk at finishing bottom of the of the of the constructors championship this year until NASA's miracle. And again, yeah, it kind of makes the timing all the more weird. But Marcus has been very solid this season. Indeed, I said on Twitter, I said that he might be the candidate for most improved driver of the year this year. He's been excellent this season for for Sauber. He's, he's gotten the, the majority of their better results. He's beaten NASA head to head this year, but. But Nas has now got the points, which kind of, you know, takes an enormous whiz on everything Marcus has done this season, the <laughs> poor guy. But um, you know, it's the nature of it all. I can't complain. Like Marcus has had a pretty solid season. I have no problem with Salba retaining him going forward. So yeah, good for him. Hopefully he keep he kicks on next year, and hopefully the car gets it a little bit better. That that, that might help. Um that might help indeed. But um, another piece of news. Other side of the world here. It, it was revealed today that this was this was on the cards it was rumoured before but now it's official Malaysia will be off the F1 calendar for 2019 so they will not extend their current deal beyond the 2018 season so um yeah sad faces all round gents no more sepag. sad reacts only and can I just
0: say, like, this was also brought up... Well, this was more brought up by the similar rumours that Singapore might also be looking for a release from the calendar. Yes. I saw... Well, no, actually, I'm just going to name names here. Will Buxton, oh. I like you normally, but, like... Somebody he, asked it. To me, I kind of... Yeah, you know. Well, I'm the one who likes CM Punk and did used to like Graham Rahal. I know, we all make mistakes. but um, <laughs> Big ones. Like, uh, to me, it kind of... I, I had this, got this horrible double standard feeling off of it because, like, when the Singapore talk emerged, he was like, eh, not that great circuit. We can probably take the loss. I'm like, aren't you normally railing against tracks being taken off the car? Oh, no, wait, you're railing against the normally European ones. The historic being lost ones. From the, like Monza, Silverstone. Can I just also say the European ones? <laughs> Is that a little bit too biased? No, no. I'm just putting it out there. The, ma- the, the very majority of them are. Yeah, like, I mean, Germany. In inverted commas the proper europe because we don't count baku as proper europe darling um (laughs) i mean okay granted montreal that's not europe um
2: but that's the thing like this king pointed out i mean like
0: i I mean you know singapore meh no big deal still had better races the last 10 years than monza yeah that's
2: not really saying much at this point (laughs) but still
0: exactly but everyone capes hard for monza because tradition
2: why? Monza is shit. I've, I've said this time and time again. Like, like, Monza needs to go. Put F1 round Magento or Imola instead. They'd be much more entertaining. But, and the thing is that for me is that... I'd be gutted if Singapore went, because i said it before. I think Singapore is one of the better rounds on the calendar. It's a night race. It's unique in that regard. It was the first night race. It's personal favourite
0: race on the calendar right and now. And you know what? And that
2: might surprise people. People forget this. It draws money, because you get big stars coming over for it. Like we had, there was a Katy Perry concert there last year. Um, like it, it draws names. In. So like in other words, Singapore was doing the whole concert thing way before Kota made it cool. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said... I don't mind Singapore. I think it's one of the better rounds on the calendar. It's a unique track. It's, a, you know, it's, a track, it's one
0: of the newer races in recent times that has established itself and got a following behind it. Yeah. I'd say Kota's is a similar one as well. Yeah, exactly. Could, could Malaysia be in this category? But, you know, with the amount of new tracks that have come on the yeah, calendar like and then gone again, w- Singapore's really stuck around and made a name
2: for itself. Malaysia something. was
1: the first of the new age tracks of the 21st century, even though it came around in 99.
2: Yeah, 99. Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, for me... I, I really like Malaysia. I think it's. I think it's always been a solid track. It's had good places to overtake people. We've had many a thrilling Grand Prix around there. Unpredictable climate as well, which made it all the more fun as well. When he had many a. Rain affected Grand Prix, and you know we've had many of those kind of races as well. I mean, who can forget like 2001, for example, in the Ferraris mounting an enormous comeback through the field after aquaplaning, or you know, 2009 where the rain was so heavy they couldn't restart it. Little, there's had a lot of like multi 21 as well with with Webber versus Vettel and their fantastic dogfight that they had too. Um, it's had many a great moment in F1. I mean, again, I, I, did, I just remembered Sergio Perez in 2012 as well. That, and his his brilliant drive that very nearly won him the Grand Prix, like Malaysia's produced many great F one moments over the years, and it's a shame that it's going to be going. And I mean, King, was it the reason? Was it for the reasons we discussed before? Like basically, Patronus doesn't really, you know, feel the need to promote it anymore, or you know, the money to to run it. This doesn't seem viable well, these days. It,
0: is it true that I, I mean, I heard the story that they were paying like almost half if not less than that for the MotoGP race and the MotoGP race was selling out yeah
1: yes
2: yeah, the, the Sepang had a, I think it was a 90,000 seat set out on race day I'm going to double check, so David Emmett put the official attendance figures
1: yeah. um, like, Up there today like, from MotoGP, one second This is what motorsport.com said Like uh, the sports minister in Malaysia basically said the Grand Prix was too expensive And that the country should give up on that Grand Prix And focus more on the more popular MotoGP race instead
2: yeah, and for the record, the MotoGP attendance for that race was ninety five thousand on Sunday, and it was a wet and it was a wet Sunday. So mm. it was a wet weekend actually, but they still had a ninety five thousand
1: turnout. Yeah, it, and which, uh, yeah, and the Malaysian government has said hosting the F one Grand Prix is ten times more expensive than what they initially paid when Formula One first raced there. Jesus. Says it all, really, doesn't it? <sighs> but
2: um, yeah, that's uh, that's that, I can't, I can't, I can't help it. But uh, like I, said, I can't help be, be be gutted that Malaysia's going. It's a, it's a real shame. Um, it's yeah, one of those things.
1: Like, Malaysia's going. Singapore wants to leave. F one could be without a race in Southeast Asia. Wow. Doesn't
2: feel like that. It's kind of it's, you've gotten accustomed to that now. Like having two races on that side of the world and. Now all of a sudden we might have none. That's kind of sad uh, in in a sense, really, because they're two kind of staple Grand Prix now that have done that have punched above their weight. I think in today's quite snooty world of F1 and what tracks we go to and whatnot, I think Singapore. Has established itself as a really solid venue, and then Malaysia as well has so had again many great moments across its across its 18 plus years on the calendar. Um, so that's a shame. I'm, I'm gutted that they're both going. Um, speaking of going, I mean, we didn't really talk about this in detail when it was still a rumor, but it happened in the middle of last week between shows. Ron Dennis is gone. Like, Ron Dennis is no longer gonna be. CEO of the McLaren group. He is he got he effectively was booted out of the team. I mean he would never say that because you know, Ron speak. But um he's out and it was announced literally in the last two hours or so as we record this that Zach Brown has been unveiled as McLaren's new CEO. Going forward, and uh, King, it's another one of those real hammer-blow moments because he realized that Dennis has been a part of Formula 1, I think, since like 1966, I think he said in his Sky F1 interview, and yeah. um, a part of the McLaren team for 35 years, and uh all of a sudden, Dennis is completely gone.
1: But on the bright side, the bright side an American is running McLaren, McLaren now, so... McLaren now. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get that in, didn't you? Yeah. You had to get that in. <laughs> yeah.
2: But um, let, let, let's let give... Before we talk, Zach, we've got to talk about Ron. Yeah. And Ron has become one of F1's most iconic people involved in the sport. And it's... I mean, how do you feel about him going? I mean, it's it's... A lot of people were saying that oh he hasn't got the the mindset to run a modern day F one team and I didn't I didn't buy into that narrative at all with, with with Dennis I just I think that like McLaren was a team that was on the up this year they've been a lot better this year than they were last year I know last year was a disaster but this year they've taken positive strides going forward they still have a top tier driver in they were still able to attract really good drivers like Fernando Alonso and they've got Stoffel for next year. I mean, I thought McLaren like a team on the up, and next thing you know,
1: he's gone. (laughs) Uh, Because he did not get fired for the team's performance.
2: Exactly. I'm I'm guessing it was something on the auto side of things, I'm guessing.
1: Yes, where he had disagreements with the board on that, and he was... For the past two years, he's been. it's been an internal struggle at McLaren because he's been trying to buy out the Bahraini royal family and it got to the point where they kind of finally had enough with Ron Dennis and got ruined.
2: Yeah, so it was like the board of directors were basically, in a, in layman's terms, booting him out. Whereas, um, I, I, I want to know what, the, what the, how Ron described it because you know what Ron's like, he'll never say it directly. But um, yeah, they, they got tired of... The, I think what you said was on a Skype call the other day, he said that um, the Bahraini guys wanted more, wanted to sell more road cars, whereas Ron wanted to keep the brand more exclusive. Yes. And that's ultimately where they butted heads the most, where, you know, the Bahraini guys were like, hey, we're meeting demand here, build more cars. And Ron's like, no, 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 no. We want to make our cars desirable. But, but the problem with Ron on that one is, is that you can't really make a car more desirable because... That would be more desirable for the second-hand market, <laughs> you know, yeah. from, from, from a collector's standpoint. That's, that's not money McLaren's going to make in the long run. No, just build more cars and make more money that way. And then, you know, obviously, we in the F1 side is going to care more about the F1 side, but it's not really anything to do with that. But even so, I mean, Ron is such a, a staple. I, I said, Again, we've talked about a lot of the show this week, iconic part of that. Well, formula one in general as a sport i mean he's been around i mean he was one of the first guys i remember getting into f1 was him as the head of the mclaren boys he was he was the bad guy he was like boo boo ron dennis he's boring in his mclaren boring team you know his days of, of, <laughs> of meeting with and dc in the late 90s like he was uh, the heel manager he was the heel yeah he was the heel stable manager right there like, like, boo, like boo this man but like the Paul ELLering now. Yeah, but uh, oh god, yeah, exactly. But now again, you realise, my god, he's been in charge of a team that's I think one. I want to say, I think twelve constructors' titles. I think ten drivers' titles with guys like Lewis Hamilton. You know, coming through coming through their team, Nicky Lauda, obviously Adam Prost, um, and, it go, and it goes back further than that. Still, but um, Johnson. I mean, what do you make of it all?
0: Well, I, I think it's interesting how. Uh, nostalgia well I, I say nostalgia but like a, a hindsight thing can can change a lot because in the last few years if anything Ron Dennis has been in for quite a bit of criticism for his, his kind of old, more old school style his way of doing things he's been very brash very blunt you know he was the guy who seemingly just couldn't step away he stepped down and then you know, took Martin Wish- Whitmarsh to task when they the, the team was not doing so well in 2011. But, like, it's almost like a Bernie Eccleston thing where we criticise the hell out of what Bernie Eccleston says and does now. But if and when he retires, we're still going to be like, well, looking back across the whole thing, it's like a Kurt Vonnegut kind of thing. Looking back across the whole thing, an entire body of work, it's pretty damn immense and very impressive. So this is a significant
2: changing of the guard in Formula One. Yeah, very much so. And uh, again, wish, wish Ron the best in his future endeavors. And uh, I'm sure he'll find something to do because he's Ron Dennis. He'll, he'll think of something. But um, yeah, a real iconic figure of F1 will be no more in 2017, which is kind of a bummer, really. But uh, King, you get to be excited.
1: Tell us more about Zach Brown. <sighs> well, Zach Brown's probably most known in the racing community for being the team owner for United Autosports, a team that races in sports cars, I think mainly IMSA. Mm-hmm. And he also heads up the largest motorsport marketing firm in the world, uh, I think Just Marketing International.
2: Okay, so like, that man's got like a thousand different jobs from what I've been told. So now he's, he's going to be running a Formula One team on top of that and a, and a, and a car brand in its own right too. So that's going to be interesting to say the least.
1: Well, actually... Um, Zach well, Brown's no. duties uh, he's only uh, he'll taking he'll on the on motorsport, motorsport half of McLaren he will only be okay. head of the team they're getting someone else to run the automotive side get get Chris Evans on that uh, <laughs> sure. I, I heard he loves McLaren's
2: um, <laughs> but uh, that will be interesting we'll keep an eye on that as things go forward also breaking news reaction to King Jürgen Klinsmann fired as men's national coach of the, of the, of the US men's national team <laughs> Your reaction. We're going back to keeping it 101 for a second. <laughs> yeah. oh, hey, hey. If we, if, we, if we broke the corner daily news, we're breaking this news <laughs> too. <laughs> this too. <laughs> is not bonus for a lady. I don't care. <laughs> King, I want a live reaction
1: to Klinsman. Go. Uh, <sighs> I knew it was coming. Stove is hot. Hot takes. Stay woke. <laughs> I knew it was ha- going to come. The, his. Instances of basically hating the MLS, it, it, it reached a point where he was performing so poorly that things were going to change eventually.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know that, you know, there was a lot of dissension in, 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 in his ranks. Um, you know, I know that the people like, they didn't like the MLS, that they butted heads on that an awful lot. They butted heads on selection, on on formation, on tactics. And when apparently you'd lost the locker room and the locker room are running their own things. So when you lose the locker room, yeah, you got to go. So yeah. uh, shout out to Jürgen Klinsmann. Because he,
1: he. right now as a stance, the United States might not qualify for the next World Cup. So...
2: Yeah, after they made wow. after they made the quarterfinals in 2012 and looked really... They were my favorite team of the last World yeah, Cup. And, I loved and them. and they, they, they got an entire nation to believe in soccer for about a week, which is a miracle in its own right. Yeah, so- I think
1: they're halfway through the current round of qualification where in their group right now, the top three teams move on and the leading team is Costa Rica with six points and the other two teams are tied at four. The United States is at the bottom. It's at, at dead last at zero points. You're telling, me wow. you, you're telling me
2: you guys can't beat Honduras? Yeah. <laughs> Honduras
1: is fourth with three points. Trinidad and Tobago also has zero points, but on goal difference, they're fifth ahead of the United States. <laughs> oh, God. Beaten by Trinidad and Tobago. That's hilarious. God.
2: Oh my God. Uh, sorry, I had to get that one in because I saw it on my time and I was like, you know what? I've got a mock yeah, if, on this one.
1: If they really don't turn things around, okay, they're a third of the way they if they don't turn things around they won't qualify so they, they needed know. to make a change
2: yep fair enough can't argue with that right the mailbag and we've got another fun addition you guys thanks a bunch for you guys in there to mention that um, Len Morrison asks which F1 drivers have had the most underrated and overrated season Ooh. Uh, this, this year, year this season yeah I have two uh, I, have, over- I have two in mind me first. Un- yeah. Underrated. I mentioned him earlier. I think Marcus Ericsson deserves a lot of credit for this season because you know a lot of us, I think, have, pr- have praised the-, the likes of Sergio Perez and-, and Carlos Sainz has gotten a lot of attention this year for right and rightly so. They've been immense this season. But
0: actually, would you argue that Carlos Sa- he was going to be one of my picks for yeah, underrated? He was going to be was- my
2: pick for underrated too. <laughs> I, g- I guess I followed too many Carlos Sainz admirers. Maybe it's just maybe it's just perception is a bitch in this case, but. Um, Carlos Sainz, oh, I, I wouldn't argue with that in the slightest as well. But I think Marcus Ericsson, in my case, I think get, should get a bit more due. But again, again, I can't mention you guys for Carlos Sainz. For me, overrated Fernando Alonso. I'm sorry, but McLaren making Q3 is no longer a surprise, people. Like, yeah. s- like seriously, like I know you people swear by that Alonso is still like the best driver in the world, and I'm sure you're you're more than entitled to believe that. I just think you're wrong at this point. <laughs> and, and, and you can have a different opinion, but it's wrong. I'm sorry, it just, it just is. And you know, and you know what? I, I said I said before, people said, oh, well, Alonso's made Q3. This is no longer a surprise, people, that McLaren is better than this you is guys get credit
0: for. This is not early 2015 when they'd barely make the starting grid.
2: No, no. Like, they're making Q3s and scoring points on a regular basis. A surprise for me would, be now, it would now be McLaren in the, in the top
1: five yeah. of a race, as, yeah, as opposed yeah, to the top yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's no longer well, like, for a surprise if, to me.
1: If you're going to say Alonso's the over your overrated driver this year and I can't pick sa- signs for my underrated driver, my underrated driver of the year, Stoffel Van Torn. <laughs> Stoffel's points. <laughs> Stoffel's one point. gets in there. Stoffel's one point. Any season where Stoffel's there, it's Stoffel season. It's stuffle season, bitches! Yeah! Uh, um... It's time! It's stuffle time! <laughs>
2: uh, that's one thing, sir. So, any overrated shout on your ranking? Oh, overrated? Oh, God. I. Can I, Can I make my picks
1: um, while you're thinking? Yeah, no. you go. You go.
0: Uh, underrated is tricky. Uh, it is pretty difficult because it's all entirely subjective. Of course. I'm tempted to be controversial and say Nico Rosberg because
1: no one's <laughs> giving him the credit he deserves for his championships. I season. guess so. so
0: been underrated um, Science was my pick funnily enough I think Carla Science because I think everyone at Red Bull has been lost in the grand shadow of Max Verstappen yes uh, overrated Max Verst- yeah. no oh, you I can't do it I re- I I'm really close to saying to it, it but he has, has done just enough to back it up you
2: can't because he's, like, he he's, he's legitimately been really good this season that's the problem <laughs> yeah well okay overrated then Uh. <laughs> do, I dare s- Great, okay. do I dare say Daniel Ricciardo no, well, I was like thinking, thinking that. that. I was, I was also champion thinking champion. potentially.
0: <laughs> I was also thinking. Oh yeah, he is, isn't he? Um, I'm thinking somewhere between Valtieri Bottas and Dre. You're not going to like me, Vettel. I
2: don't think he's been
0: uh, like Raikkonen. Right uh, okay. Generally, uh, 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 has been more consistent uh, uh, across the season.
2: Okay, I respond to your question with this: Who's rated Vettel? <laughs> off now. Who's, ve- who's rated Vettel's 2016?
1: Who? Who <laughs> thinks it's a good season? Who's rated it in general? Dude. No, good. Good point. Yeah, Dude, like everyone has rated um, Vettel's season a dumpster fire, yet he's finished fourth in the championship. oh is he oh shit no I'm still thinking that Raikkonen was the top it's a dumpster fire
2: more out of bad luck than anything else but no one no one's mentioned it because Lewis Hamilton's apparently bad luck has been worse yeah
0: luck's a poor poor um, Um, metric and and you know it and I'm
2: sitting here and you're going what the fuck are you people talking about it's a bit like
0: it's a bit like Jeff Gordon fans like 10 years ago in NASCAR they're like oh Jeff Gordon's so unlucky bitch you weren't a Jeff Burton fan in late 2006
2: (laughs) (laughs) you you people have no idea what bad luck is exactly Yeah.
0: Um okay, as for overrated, um this is a good oh man. Uh have people been talking that highly about Bottas this season? No, not really. I,
1: I think this is really. this is again one of F1's problems. Like everyone has been rated fairly to where they should be because nothing unpredictable ever happened. Well I mean yeah,
0: Verstappen has gone, been hyped to the fucking moon, but he has just enough of a, a record this year to back it yeah. up. Like you, know you, what? you can't say he's been overrated. I'll give
2: you a good overrated for you. Rogue, Rogue. Oh, I was just thinking really? that. But, uh, I is mean, is it fair
0: to say that Grosjean has been to a degree has the reputation has been dining on those first few results the, early the in the, the season. points
2: don't tell the full story with Grosjean because he's been outraced by Esteban Gutierrez on numerous occasions this season. Mm. A guy that mm. a guy that we've all wanted to piss and rag on for apparently being the definition of a pay driver, Yeah, Esteban's yeah. had many impressive performances but with no points to show for it. Okay, While no, I've Gros got dined for, on that.
0: I've got Go on. I've got a pick for underrated. Go on. Uh and this it, he may still be rated, but I in my opinion, I don't think he's had quite the ratings yet. Um Esteban Ocon. I think he's been nothing but solid since coming in yeah. with mana. Yeah,
2: very solid indeed. Very solid uh, indeed. If anything,
0: he's been a slight cut above line He's been around there. Eleventh
2: yeah. like, place at Brazil was a good
0: shout. Yeah. yeah, like if he I mean, we were praising Alexander Rossi for getting that that uh what was it, eleventh, twelfth at Cota last yep. year? It was eleventh, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Like the only reason go why on,
1: Pascal is ahead of Ocon in the championship is because of that tenth place that he got early in the season before Ocon was on the team in Austria. Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, King, you got
1: you got Let's two picks. let take for Rio Haryanto's <laughs> F1 Ooh, career. Overrated. I really, oh, I want to say, say Kevin Magnussen. That's not a bad shout. Actually, it's not
2: wrong. Like, that's not a bad shout. At I, all. I
1: don't think. Like, I. I enjoy questions like this because they're entirely subjective. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't think Kevin Magnuson is as, as good as everyone believes he is. Whereas, his- gen- no,
0: considering we were making jokes at the start of the season about how he's clearly the best driver not in
2: Formula One, yeah. according to the internet. And especially given that Jolyon Palmer has genuinely improved this year until they had to have that bloody awful Brazil <laughs> race. God damn it, Jolyon! I was
0: trending so you! Well. We
1: trusted you!
0: Well, we tr- we, uh, we wanted you to prove Grace
2: Wilkinson wrong. <laughs> And you just did I, I do that on a weekly basis before she blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> That's a story for another day. But... Uh, <sighs> I, it came out. Of I know. I used to have a phone number and everything. Jeez. We don't need to. Do, well, we don't need to continue on this point. Just move on. Just next move question. I'll, I'll I'll save that for the Christmas special. But um, <laughs> Dre's,
0: dirty Dre's dirty laundry. Dre's dirty laundry coming this Boxing Day.
2: This, this podcast is my dirty laundry. But uh, <laughs> oh, Christ, it is isn't yeah, it? Yeah. But uh, yeah. Next question. Marcus Marcus Hall asks, where will the VW WRC drivers land, and could we see any of them move to Rally Cross? Uh, yes,
0: considering rallycross has a big factory presence. True, and with the VAG group involved, yeah. Audi want to increase their involvement in World Rallycross because their Matthias Ekström won the championship with basically a sort of Audi customer team. It wasn't a full factory team, as far as I know. Sure.
2: So they're like, well, King, you, it's uh, King. You like your you, you like your rallycross King? Any
1: takes on that? Oh, I forgot who I heard was considering making the move to Rallycross. Oh, yeah, I heard that Jensen Button was going to Global Rallycross. But, yeah, that's a story for another day. Uh, WRC guy. I mean, yeah, WRC. I, I feel like more... I think OG will be snapped up by another yeah, factory I outfit that, in WRC. Like, they're just going to get snatched up by
0: other teams. Like, when the biggest... I think one of them maybe ends up in GT racing, yeah, maybe, when, like uh, Mickelson. The
1: biggest team... In your series, shuts down and all the drivers on that team are now free agents. Why not sign one of them? True. I mean, that's what
0: Porsche have done already. Haven't they signed Loic? Deval? Yeah, they signed Deval mm-hmm. They signed Duval yes. and they signed Lotterer. Yeah,
1: yeah, they,
0: yeah. There you go. Uh, why would you not take them? To be honest, yeah, exactly. Like it'd be like a Mercedes shut down tomorrow. <laughs> like everyone would be in the queue to sign those
2: drivers. Porsche with Andre Lotterer is a terrifying force. Uh, but uh, yeah, Rhino GT4 asks. On a scale of Daniel Kiviat's 2016 to Helio Castroneves's hair, how beautiful is the new Mazda DPI? <laughs> oh, it's a full solid Helio Castroneves's hair out of ten. But you, by the way, still has great hair. But um, <laughs> and that Mazda is gorgeous. Have you guys seen I have it? I've seen it. it. It is a beautiful <sighs> looking thing. It's literally a case of like, like me
0: and RJ were talking about this. The whole like diversion. This is another thing. A split between the WEC, the FIA, and the ACO and IMSA they're like well we're going to completely ruin P2 and make it a borderline spec class and IMSA are like well that's our main event class so we kind of can't do that we need to have a top class that is manufacturer friendly so they're like well we're going to go our own way with Daytona prototype international um and having seen some of the new age P2s look very nice and then that turned up and it's like oh i think IMSA just kind of fired the opening yeah, it's shot like,
1: mm, i can't wait for the rolex 24 Oh yeah, uh-huh. there's an
0: endurance race I'll be watching. <laughs> yes, please. That'll be fun. Yes, please. More of that. It's a beautiful looking thing. <laughs> and wait a minute, isn't Catherine Legg signed up on the Mazda factory program? Yeah, she signed, yeah,
1: she signed mm-hmm. as a factory driver. Or is it Honda? <laughs> Ooh, oh, God, now nah, i got to look this up. With the NSX? Nah, I, gotta, I think, yeah, she's an NXS driver. Okay, so she's a Lit. Honda factory driver. Dre, there you go. Let's! <laughs>
2: I love that NSX too, so I'm, I'm here for this. Um, the spirit winner from, from this year's Rolex 24 is back. I, 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 am, I am all for this who said Romo asks um, you know what 12 driver slaps at Marrakesh are enough for another Robo race question no seriously F1 if Rosberg wins do you expect to find DiCaprio in his Oscar on the podium <laughs> <laughs> say no more <sighs> Yeah, pretty much. I'm not answering that one. You guys guys can have fun with that. Um, Henry Chapman asks a question. What series do you want to start watching in 2017 that you haven't watched yet or closely followed? For me, it's IMSA.
1: Oh, I'm on the same page. I'm on the same page. Uh,
0: Well, I've kind of been off and on with IMSA for a long time. It's one of those series I've dipped in and out of, so I can't really say that. For me, certainly 2017, it's Super GT. Sure yeah. Absolutely Super GT it, And especially it. now With English commentary Thanks to Nismo TV And the Radiant Le Mans lads And shout out to Johnny Palmer And yes. the awesome Awesome Moss lookalike Sam Collins mm-hmm. um, Who <laughs> Did you guys see By the way On a total aside He was on a Sky F1 panel With um, the uh, An F1 journo Who's very popular On Sky Sports and sam collins actively like trashed max verstappen yes. i was in that tweet. he said he was massively over he said he was massively overrated he said his racecraft was poor and i was just like wow sam collins i kind of love you for being that guy that's just wonderful but like narrative buster like yeah man but i mean hey he should he should join us on the podcast sometime um, <laughs> But yeah, Super GT for me, absolutely. I've made a pledge to try and follow supercars closely again. You know, Australian Pacific time zones for us are just not—they're even worse than American time yeah. zones. Yes. For but, uh, usually, for sport,
1: usually with the series I don't watch, like what I did with Macau this weekend, I usually have like a list of my quote-unquote great races that I know that I'm going to watch every year. If not live, yeah. I try to watch it. You know, on tape. Yeah. Uh, like we
0: talked about earlier with NASCAR and Daytona and Darlington yeah. and things like that.
2: Yeah. I haven't particularly got one, but after the talk earlier, Imsum might have to be that series for me. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, it's, like, it's like IndyCar to WEC's F1 mm-hmm. in that respect. Yeah. And a
1: lot of the IndyCar guys do the endurance races.
2: So True, true. That is very much true. Evan Byrne asks, what gaming character are you most like?
1: <laughs> That's an out-of-left-field question.
2: There's a left out left field question. Well, I, it, I like to think I'm kind of like Solid Snake. Metal Gear. <laughs> stop. Stop. Um, stop! What the hell is no, wrong to with be you? Honest,
0: if anything, I'm more like Crash Bandicoot.
2: What, you, you don't wear shirts and you spin around a lot in your own bedroom? Yeah. Well. Although I'm not Australian, so that probably disqualifies me. Oof, I have no words for this. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of one here. You know what? Go if you are listening to this show, tweet in your suggestions.
1: We'll oh, reveal
2: it next us. week. <laughs> And, and you know for what? us, oh, for yeah. us okay. and if we get any good ones we'll mention it on next week's show how about that because yeah alright I'm going for that that sounds like fun um, this is going to end horribly wrong yeah this, we're going to get roasted it, it shall be tremendous <laughs> um, it's your boy Speedy on Twitter asks why do you think it's so hard for drivers to get past seven titles in premier divisions in F1 we have Shumi and now we have three in NASCAR
0: <laughs> well uh, hang on i think thinking about it I think Jamie Winkup's now on six in the V8 Supercars Championship. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but even then, yeah, you're right, isn't it? Seven championships. That's weird. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because the average career, like even at the top level, is like ten to fifteen years. And the fact that you would have you to know, be
1: unopposed real. for basically a decade. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: I mean, like we said earlier with Jimmy Johnson, the fact that he's managed it in arguably the most competitive era in the sport's history, especially that late two thousands run from two thousand six to twenty ten. Man, that's incredible. Some,
2: so, like, someone tell Jimmy Johnson to take up a career in darts. Yeah, I, I don't it. Like,
1: <laughs> somehow, we still live in a world where Sebastian Loeb has won the World Rally Championship nine times.
2: That, wow. That's still kind of hard to get over. Yeah, he's the
1: exception.
0: Loeb is just the <laughs> exception and the answer to all of these. And hasn't Tom Christensen won nine Lemons. Le Mans? Yeah. Yeah. Nine nine Le Mans, yeah, nine yeah. Le
1: Mans, nine times Le
0: Mans. Yes, yeah. Christensen and Loeb are the exceptions that prove the rule. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, was that one out of the bag. As my sister walks in the bedroom again. Hi, hi, Kendra.
1: Hello.
2: Hi. Yeah. on no-
1: Just
2: take your paper and leave. do are trying to upstage me.
1: Go. Go now. Um. <laughs> <that's> all- <laughs> oh my God. I just I just read a breaking news story. Well, it's not really a story. It's more like an interview with Bernie Eccleston. And oh my God. I just oh christ uh, uh, like, can we save it like this camp this podcast will go on for another two hours if we okay read it okay yeah. well uh, we will do the full thing next week but i'm just gonna read sure. one line that's made me face fall just go on. Uh, all american all sports America- have timeouts built in mainly because american audiences can't concentrate they grow up with everything in 15 minute segments <laughs> on tv people are the same everywhere now moving on
0: <laughs> <sighs> moving on because if I dwell on that my brain is going to explode and just leave
2: my head and go nope nope yeah, I'm, I'm not,
1: out. Not out of here
2: Shawnee F1 asks <laughs> He's also a Patreon backer. Hi, Shawnee. He he uh, he says, so Dre hates Ray Hall and Adam despises Verstappen. So Ryan, which driver in any series do you detest the most? <laughs> That's
1: a great question. <laughs> Go on, King. Uh, uh, I try- <laughs> I, know this, I know this in the <laughs> earlier days of the show, it used to be a running joke that I hated Lewis Hamilton a lot. <laughs> It was man if results go a certain way this weekend it'll be right back Yeah, it, yeah. Might, it might be right back there it, 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 like, in the words of
2: Elvis Presley it's not that it was just taking a break
1: yeah because um, but- we don't have my roommate Jordan just you know shouting Hint,
2: that you, you, you're not dancing around this question answer
1: me who is this oh god who do I hate it's like it would have to be Lewis it's like it's either Lewis or Max Verstappen I think it might be Max Verstappen <laughs> wow two to one
0: jeez like me and king are not usually people who take extreme dislikes to drivers True. like in all my time watching nascar there's not really that many drivers like kyle dislikes for be a fair, long that's... time but he kind of came back uh, but yeah. yeah oh christ for stappen's <laughs> <flat. Yeah. laughs> gee i'm not even gonna sugarcoat that jesus christ
2: yeah that's it's not great yeah you, you, you know me <laughs> like honestly i don't even hate lewis hamilton all that matt all that yeah. much like people Contrary to popular belief, like people people think I despise him because I talk about him a lot. On the contrary, I think he's okay. Yeah, he, he's just, it, he's
1: matured well since the. It's
2: because I'm Blackface. Well, apart from ignoring certain, you know, one minute silences and generally being a snapchatting whore in the middle of press conferences, <laughs> but besides that, he's been all right actually. Yeah. Um. So um. Also, he also asks which race this season was worse: Mexico, ignoring the post race drama, or Italy. Italy, this isn't a debate. Italy, Italy. <laughs> yeah, Italy. It's, like at least Mexico, you
0: answered your own question by having to exclude part of the Mexico <laughs> race that was the, actually the interesting. Last, the last Monza five laps of like, Mexico. As, was far great. as I know, yeah, like literally, as far as I remember, Monza, it was literally lights go out, Hamilton fucks up the start, the end. Yes, I've just deleted the rest of the race from memory because nothing. Ha- oh, Ricardo passed someone that was <laughs> quite cool. He
2: dive bombed the shit out of Valtteri Bottas, and that was it.
0: He was like, it was like him on. His, it was like fair play, Danny. You're trying, mate, but. <sighs> this race is beyond S- help mate
2: seven mclaughlins out of ten for the for the ricardo dive bomb there but that was about <laughs> for it for scotty award yes but, um yep yeah, so uh, also a uh, question from uh one more from from harry repton by the way who says with audi now having their run their last wec race how long before we see the lmp1 class as competitive as the last
1: three years depends on Good when luck- they change the rules uh... to something more inclusive They they already delayed next year's rules to cut costs because, yeah, they felt like the teams felt like, yeah, it's only two of us now. Why should we even try?
2: Exactly. So. I think they need another manufacturer or they need to change the rules to have, a, to have a sport that's more... Because it's not As Johnson mentioned before, it's not like brands aren't willing to take part. They are. It's just the rules right now and a hybrid system is so expensive that right now it just financially just isn't viable for a lot of factories out there at the moment.
1: So until that happens, I hope you like your Toyota versus Porsche fights, you guys. Yeah, yeah because... People forget to be, quote-unquote, road-relevant requires, you know, research and development, and that is expensive as all hell.
2: Yeah, like, the the Mm. sport that tries to make itself all cheap actually is very expensive. Who knew? Um... (laughs) a couple of more questions on our Facebook page. Jack Bickerin a good question. What do you make of the new car released by the Formula E Team Next Dev and their um their new brand Neo and their car they released today? I thought it looked pretty interesting. Uh, look, apparently the world's fast electric car. Um it
0: looks phenomenal. Um, and I, I love, you know, as much as people will know, I'm a, a hardcore like internal combustion guy, but that's a personal thing. I don't have anything against electric cars or alternative technologies in a sort of uh, disgusting kind of way. Yeah, exactly. Like they are, if they're ultimately going to be the future of the planet, then Hey, uh, this is how I'd like it to be used. To be honest with you, the car looks amazing. The, the the tech is being pushed already. And to be honest with you, it's kind of ironic that Formula E is supposed to be showcasing electric vehicles to the public. And yet road car technology is probably quite ahead of Formula E at the moment. It's almost like Formula E
1: needs to catch back (laughs) up. Formula E is purposely behind this, Cut down on cars.
2: Have fun with that one. But um, yeah, I, I completely agree with Johnson on that one for what it's worth living. It looks great. I hope Nelson Piquet gets a free one for winning this champ- for winning that championship in season one. Yeah, he better get a free <laughs> one. Yeah, like, dude, I can't put your brand on the map. Uh, um, yep, yeah, so shout out to Jack on that one. Um, Cameron Barkley asks, do you think the Alonso at Le Mans rumor for 2018 will happen if he leaves F1 at the end of next year? Nando is always... Kind of wanted to be in Le Mans, but it's just not really, the opportunity is not, co- not. I swear coming this in. rumor
0: keeps coming around every few months, yes, yeah. it does.
1: But, um, like I still remember when it was back at Ferrari, it was rumored that when he would retire, it would be to drive a Ferrari LMP1 program. Yes,
0: shout out to all those great, awesome renders of Ferrari LMP1s that never existed for real.
1: <laughs> yeah. One can
2: one can dream. Speaking of that, uh, Reese Quinn's Jones asked which fictional Gran Turismo circuits would you moan to see on the F1 or IndyCar calendar? Johnson, you're working on a top 10 for this for what culture? So this, this one's right up your alley. <laughs> uh, well, given I put trial mountain at the top of that list, spoiler alert. Oh,
0: like it would kind of, yeah, it kind of be that Good choice, but, I think Grand Valley is the obvious one for many people. Oh, yes. Midfield raceway would be fun as an IndyCar circuit. The laps would be really fast, oh God, but yeah. I feel like it would be a sort of Barber Motorsport Park type racetrack. It'd be good fun. Sure. Um, so midfield raceway for IndyCar, trial mountain for F1. You'd never get it because the rock faces are the barriers. <laughs> but what? But hey,
2: But ha- nothing sounds cooler than saying, well, there's Lewis Hamilton crashing into the side of a mountain. <laughs> In flames. Sounds great. That's a bit... And to be honest with you, like,
0: F1 is all like, oh, we're only going to grade one rated tracks. Yeah, you go to Monaco, mate. <laughs> You've got Armco barriers and hotels as you crash barriers there. And a harbour.
2: Yeah. Is a mountain really that much worse? Indeed. Indeed. Um, also, one more question from Brian Glennon, who's talking about NASCAR. Um, oh, God. So I'm going to skip over the truck and watch deserving question about Daniel Suarez and Jimmy Johnson, because we already kind of discussed that earlier on in the show. But he also yeah, yeah. said... Which non-plate track produces the best racing in NASCAR? And lastly, since you did a live stream reaction of the Indy 500, would you guys, RJ, Sarah, Matt, and Chris, consider doing one for the Daytona 500 in February?
1: Mm. Um, (laughs) Uh,
2: Okay. King and me, maybe. You've
0: you've just heard me rant for half an hour earlier about how I'm not into NASCAR I was going to say, if
2: you listen to this show... That should probably tell you all you need to know right there. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Um on the question about the best uh racing at a non plate track, uh that's not a bad question. I think Fontana. Yeah, I think Fontana actually. Bristol's close. Yeah, I was gonna say Br- Bristol's pretty damn w- close. I'm gonna
1: I would put Bristol ahead, but Cause I'm like a short track fanboy so oh so <laughs> yeah. am I so am I but uh, I think
0: Fontana the last few years has just been on another level it's been sensational especially with low downforce coming yes. back
2: man that, that race was fun this year so, so yep that I believe will just about do it for this episode of Motorsport 1 on we've gone over two and a quarter hours again because I did not think that was going to happen today but hey that's awesome I'm a, we should stop joking about going long on shows no. like we're like oh we got nothing to talk about this show will last like ten minutes I told three Trey hours later stop <laughs> joking about this
1: episode <laughs> <to be laughs>
2: It's true, it's true. Even I can't deny it at this point. It's just what we do on this show. Same thing on Bike Live. We always think, we've got nothing to talk about. We go two hours, 20 anyway. Because goddamn, that's what we do around here. Just before we go, one more time, we're on YouTube, at youtube.com forward slash motorsport one oh one, on Facebook forward slash motorsport101, on Twitter at Motorsport underscore one oh one and our personal twitters, of course, are at Harrison101 HD, at AJ underscore Bombersports, and at Ryan Eric King. Um, and of course you can find all of our uh, all of our shows on SoundCloud iTunes Stitcher and on Xbox Live as well now on the podcast app they have on there still in beta but you can now they're free so you can play us on your Xbox while playing Horizon 3 how sick is that Um, so you can can have all of that on there as well and of course the hub for everything we do is on our website motorsport101.net so until next time hopefully we'll have a shorter show we won't but um until next time well given it's the f1 given it's the f1 season of Gnally, when i have oh, nothing to talk about of course absolutely nothing besides Nico rosberg as world champion oh yeah and the gp2 right?
1: 2 title finale that's gonna be interesting
2: Ooh, yes Giovinazzi versus gasly for the gp2 title it's, it's a
1: title fight <laughs> with good racing
2: Yay! <laughs> what more could you ask for? But until then, <laughs> I've been Andre Harrison. He's been Adam Johnson. He's been Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Bye.
1: Bye. woo See you, You're to mate. I you all the world.